and welcome to episode 295 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. Also joining us today, we have Sean Shute and Connor Harmer. It's that time of year again. It's the time for our big Prem preview. We will take a look at the upcoming season and the transfer window so far, all while giving our predictions that definitely won't come back to haunt us next year. We've got the basis covered with fans of Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man United. We did have some West Ham involvement drop out at the last minute. So uh, for any West Ham fans there, I did try. But anyway, let's get into it. No news of the week this week as we do have so much to get into. How is everyone doing today? No one said anything. You told us to eat. Uh, I was about to reference that. (laughs) As well as we we were that worried about wrestling, we thought if we just don't speak to him the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Silence. Any bold predictions? No, no one said anything. But as I've said before, I did once try that and it didn't go down well. Um, Or maybe people just don't like me hearing about Indiana Jones on my own. So maybe I'll (laughs) give it a go sometime in the future. It has to require charisma, just not the material of it. Exactly, exactly. So. It's been a busy window so far, but the headline deal of that remains as Erling Haaland. He moved to Man City from Borussia Dortmund in a deal worth an estimated £54 million if you just take the release clause and around £100 with all of the agent fees included. He'll earn just over £500,000 a week. So if we start with Man City's businesses, that's the main talking point, particularly after the Community Shield. Haaland then, rough start. Two misses that have been uh, clipped and shared all across social media. But you have to say that's probably about as tough a test as you could be making your debut in. Is there anyone that's going to make the case here? And maybe the majority. He shows signs of promise. It's not all bad. I've seen enough deaf strikers come into the Premier League from personal experience to know that he's probably not one of them. <laughs> Annoyingly. Well, yeah, I saw reference today that Shevchenko actually had a good community shield in 2006 <laughs> and everyone was very positive about it. Drogba was shifted out to the right-hand side. I think he scored it. It was either Arsenal or United you had. Um, you lost 2-1, but he scored. There was positivity that you'd upgraded. And look, a community shield doesn't make or break your career, some will say. No, look at Kalasanach. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good day that was. If, if if he was to go on to what he, the promise he showed in that game, we could, he'd have been messy. I mean, if we got to play Chelsea at Wembley every time, then I think we wouldn't be too, doing too badly. It's just the issue yeah. is that we do then have to go back and uh, play away games. You've genuinely had some witch doctor on us. <laughs> I just know you have. I'm not sure how in five minutes you convinced me that this Community Shield was actually a total disaster for us and fantastic news for City. I'm going to ask you, TK. We shouldn't have won. Our goal scorer, our striker shouldn't have scored. If City don't win the league, then this game is going to be looked back on as a warning sign. If they do, then we're going to laugh about the overreactions. Yeah, and particularly if, if Haaland does what I imagine most of us think he's going to do, it's going to look pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Um... Yeah, let's face it they're, they're going to look either genius or really arrogant and ignorant with some of the players they let go to the clubs they let them go to if that's basically what's going to be laughed at rather than the community shield I think they're going to be laughing at the yeah. sterling Jesus 
potentially Bernardo Silva deals more than yeah, anything. Because Connor, if we bring you in now, it's mental when you look back that Oli being Norwegian wasn't quite enough to get Haaland to Man United. But when you look at this game overall, if we're saying he had such a bad game, but he could have scored twice, is that not equally as worrying as it could be worrying for uh, City fans? Yeah, I mean, for me, if he's... He scores those chances nine times out of ten, doesn't he? And that's two goals against the best team in the league. So, well, I said the best team, sorry, second best team. Um, <laughs> we'll take so, it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I don't know who the other team is because about two minutes before we started recording, I told Connor the placement of Man United uh, on this episode. He's a bit big time these days, so he can't give us quite the whole time. But I said, we're going to be doing United after the top two teams. And he said, United are top two. Didn't want to give my predictions away for the top four way too early, but that might be a hint. <laughs> I mean, el- elsewhere, they've brought in Kelvin Phillips for an estimated £44 million. TK, and I'll come to you in just a moment, Alex. Um, the Athletic described this on July the 4th as the perfect transfer. That being said, he didn't get on the pitch on Saturday. You were singing his praises as much as anyone throughout the course of this season. Hmm. Is this the perfect transfer? I mean, for everyone but Leeds, who I have no idea how you end up selling your best player for that fee. Um, I know they've done some other business that they'll hope it's good, but I think you've almost accepted relegation there. You've done your best to. For City, that's pocket change, and you've got one of the best midfielders in the league on performance. So, Looking into the background of the deal, they say this one wasn't so much on the agenda for City, but Calvin Phillips changed agents about two weeks before the season ended. Um, and so Isn't that he funny? Was, so he's moved to Jack Grealish's new agents now his previous agents when Villa were trying to get the deal through were phoning United they were phoning Madrid they were phoning everyone and trying to say we don't want him to go to Man City come and put some money up because they didn't they didn't agree with the way City were doing business on this time around it seems he made it very clear to his agents that he only wanted City to the point where Moyes said they had a higher bid rejected and they were able to get this over the line from Lee's point of view that's bizarre yeah, I think we've seen before teams haggling and they haggle to the point where they don't have enough time left to spend the money. I guess the only thing different to doing it the Grealish way where you spend $100 million and then go, this definitely isn't spending the Grealish money and then you spend it. If you do it this time around, you can maybe escape some of the price just being bumped up by the teams because you say we've got enough time to go and find other targets. I thought this was a good deal for um, exploiting one of another advantages that City have got that you basically have no uh, historic sort of hatred towards them where because he was just linked constantly with a Man United move they were yeah. like wow he's a Leeds lad that's going to be tricky we know Leeds would probably bump up the price for United he's going to feel conflicted about doing that and he obviously has now said he would never have gone to United I find that interesting yeah. I think yeah. maybe that's not quite true but whereas City don't have any of these problems whereas most of the other top clubs have all got some sort of uh, rival that they're not able to do business with or have some conflicts as a result City can basically uh, take their pick 
This is going to sound an odd one to say. Uh, Jack, I can hear kids coming down your mic um, <laughs> for the first time, which <laughs> there's no easy way to say that. Yeah, I mean, I've tried my best to keep them quiet, but I don't know what else I can do. Out the basement again. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll have to close that window. <laughs> no, well, not even that. I didn't know if, if you weren't going to say anything, if you mute and then jump in, and then we could just, I guess, hear the kids while you're speaking. Um, something else that was interesting when you look at the background of this transfer is they say a large part of it was based around the fact that everyone inside football believed that Liverpool were going to sign to Chiuameni. And so City were looking at someone to essentially be able to match Liverpool. It says a lot for the rest of the league that they feel like we need to match them and we can take care of everyone else. But they just needed something to be able to adapt tactically in the Champions League games and just to be able to match Liverpool in the midfield when they do play them at least twice a season. When you look at the data, the the players that are put in the same bracket as Tchouameni are Declan Rice, who if he if Tchouameni went for 100 million euros, Rice was going to go for more than that. So that put that to one side. City weren't going to pay the Tchouameni money. And then Calvin Phillips is actually the next one. I think it's on Statsbomb's list of uh, like-for-like players. So it's interesting that maybe they were trying to preempt you there and get a bargain while letting you spend your money there. You know, TK? I think he's gone. He's gone? I think we've lost him. He's had enough. <laughs> I'll add him back. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on that? The idea that City feel they just need to match Liverpool? <clears throat> Well, yeah. certainly from certainly from the position that they're coming from, yeah, definitely. And let's be honest, I mean, signing Eric Halland and then anything on top of that isn't, you know, it's not exactly matching them. It's it's just like they've made their move. Who's Eric? Who's Eric? No, <laughs> oh, just you, we could have let that one slide. We could have let that slide. Huh? You said Eric. Uh, it's it's Erling. I saw um, I misheard it, but oh, did I, I, I? Did I? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't. Alex I was, is just uh, hell bent on any pronunciation, any like one that's on the middle of the road. He almost wants to get it wrong. I was gonna, I was gonna let you go, Alex, for what it's worth. TK, I don't know what we did to you there. I was kicked and I couldn't get back in. I won't take. Who it kicked you? It wasn't me. I got my notes up. I was no, asked, um, "What's the last thing you heard?" Uh, this is gonna sound awful. It was uh, Jack saying he was gonna shut those kids up. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> Supposedly, the reason City looked at Calvin Phillips was that it was believed you were going to sign to Chiuameni and they felt they needed to be able to match that when they play you as well as in the big Champions League games. I didn't know if you took anything into them perhaps basing their transfer strategy around what you may do. Dicks on the table stuff, isn't it? Um, in in fairness, there seems to have been a little bit of that this window anyway. I would suggest, would we have gone after Darwin quite so much if... They hadn't got Haaland in. I would question that. So there seems to be a little bit of the two clubs realising we've got to kind of match each other. Because as well as providing competition for Rodri, he's expected to play alongside him in like a double pivot role in the big Champions League games, which we're well aware at this point, this is what Pep is looking to do this season. If you told him you can finish third in the league but win the Champions League, he'd probably take it. Um, And they probably thought they were losing Gundogan, didn't they? Yeah. When you look at uh, some of the contracts we see for the likes of Zion Williamson in the NBA, which we hear this week aren't as uncommon as you'd believe, 
there is a thing where Phillips says that he does need someone to be on him constantly about his weight and the intensity of his game because he can drop off in that kind of way. So going from Bielsa to Pep is probably a good move in terms of constantly driving at you. But maybe if he's not playing as much football, it could be interesting to see how that develops. That'd be fantastic if he pigs out. Please do. <laughs> um, I mean, elsewhere, they brought in Stefan Ortega, just quite simply re- replaces Zach Stefan. Um, you did also miss Alex refer to Haaland as being called Eric. So I just want you to be aware of that. <laughs> um, this could catch on. Julian Alvarez came in for around 16 million. Good start for him. If we're saying that Haaland had a horror debut, I mean, it's a tap in, but this looks like one of their can't lose investments. And if he can, ch- if he can chip in with five to seven goals this season, I think they'll be happy. I think he can get more than that. I think he, he looks yeah, a player. just as a bare um, minimum. We don't know yeah, how much yeah. he's going to play yet. No, I think with the way uh, Pep operates, with the fact that obviously they've moved Sterling on, for example, and maybe others, um, and Jesus, I should say, um, I think he'll get opportunities. And if there are any issues with Haaland, either be that injury or maybe uh, any issues with sort of fit, which I, I don't think they will, but you never know, he should be the guy that's obviously, he got no pressure on him by comparison. Yeah. Um, I was weighing this up in the pub watching it yesterday. But I just thought in my head that if Van Dyke went in and broke his leg. What the hell is going on here? What is that? That sounds like a plane taking off. We're about two minutes into this podcast, and I mean, Jack's got kids screaming around him. TK's gone, dipped out. And <laughs> I mean, someone is having an airplane drive across their mic. <laughs> Isn't the professionalism we hope for? Oh God! You can tell it's, it's a big easy. pod. This one as well. Yeah, we're, I know. we're all a bit rusty, aren't we? This is. I'm not. Jeez Louise! <laughs> Jack was just getting into something really good then as well. Someone's yeah. just gone. I'm not having it. I'm putting yeah. a plane in. Yeah, exactly. But I was just thinking, I was weighing it up that if you're Van Dyke there, you take a three-game ban, knowing that Haaland's going to be out for about three months. The season's <laughs> not started yet. You go and absolutely annihilate his knee. And then you you could hand Liverpool the title there. There's a lot of these that look easy. I mean, I remember when England played Switzerland in about March, and I thought, Xhaka, you're reckless as it is. You've got Harry Kane right there in front of you for the running. And then he had one of the most disciplined games I've ever seen him play. <laughs> so, unfortunately, these players don't feel the same way we do. Now, in terms of outgoings, we're going to speak about Sterling when we do Chelsea. We'll speak about Jesus and Zinchenko when we come to Arsenal. Um but they have brought in, I mean, the best part of 100 million from Sterling and Jesus, 31 million from Zinchenko, 7.65 million from Pedro Porro, who I don't even think played a game for them, 5 million for a guy called Ko Itakura, who I've n- never even heard of. He doesn't exist. Myth. They got 2 million for about a sixth choice keeper in Arijnet Muric, who's gone to Burnley. Fernandinho's contract expires. So. They've done a good job of balancing the books, which is where things are interesting because they weren't prepared to pay the 50 million for Cucurella. We've seen that with a number of other targets. The fact that they weren't prepared to go for too many and they saw an easier, cheaper option in Calvin Phillips. This isn't quite the city that we've grown to know over the last five or six years because the 50 million kind of pocket has kind of been their golden zone kind of area where you're not deemed a flop at this at the moment if you don't perform 
is when it kind of goes above 70 million these days where you really get slated. It's the uh, the cost of living inflation, mate. That's what it is, hitting everything. <laughs> 50 million if it's is... hitting Man City, we're all screwed. Yeah. Six, 60, 70 million is a new 50 mil transfer. So I just thought it's interesting. I know there was something where they released a load of their women's players towards the end of the season, and there were people saying, what's going on at Man City? Letting these people go. Is there something in that perhaps is going to abandon what he's done previously he's not looking to rotate constantly this season and he wants to have a far more trimmed squad you know he's going to be starting week in week out or are we maybe reading too much into that is it just these players were happy to move on and they were happy to collect the money and they won't pay above what they feel is the market value for anyone no i think i think that he'll still do the rotation i think the defense might be a bit more settled but i can see the rotation on the wings still being the same, like Grealish, Foden, Mares, and then if you put Alvarez on the wing as well, if he's not playing up front, I think that'll still happen. I don't think he's going to be more settled. Because it looks like they changed their system. I mean, they had to, to to accommodate Haaland, but the wingers were staying wider than they would usually do. I mean, if you're a player football manager, I guess it would be the difference between a winger and an inside forward that City would usually be playing. And I don't know, maybe the system that they are changing some of these guys didn't fit into it in the way that they did. I'm not too sure. I just thought it was interesting that, it, I mean, it's Chelsea that are trying, I guess, failing to bully teams off the market, but we'll get to them. City seem a bit more chilled out. They've got the crooks there, haven't they? They've got their squads. They can mm. just add little sprinkles of talent in somewhere where they feel they need to sometimes have a little bit different to what they already have. Whereas, we're in a much different position where teams know that we'll get to we you. need an entire new defence. Whereas City have got such a great blueprint. If Pep feels that he can just bring something that's slightly different to what he already has, just for, I mean, they've got the luxury of being able to bring them on for like the last 20 minutes if they are deadlock 1-1 or drawing or whatever, just to have something different like a plan B, which they didn't seem to have. I mean, they already won it last season, but in the cup games... When they went, when they were under the cross, it didn't really seem like they could get their way out of it by doing anything different to what they're already doing. I think if you look at most of the cup games they lost last season, they still dominated pretty much most of them. But I guess it's that something different. Or like Calvin Phillips is a perfect example of bringing in someone that can just run around and sure sure up everything um, and kind of secure that win that they, the majority yeah. of the time they actually have already. I acknowledge the nonsense in saying this after they have just won the league title from two goals down on the final day. But statistically, they're actually worse than any other team when it comes to shooting under pressure and when they're behind. So it does tie in with the view that a lot of people have said, us included on here, that sometimes they look like they can be a bit frazzled when plan A isn't quite going right. I think what we see with the... What the hell is going on? Yeah, someone's just taking the deepest of deep breaths. <laughs> Grated on me. I think what we do see with the Cucurella deal is that in what we've praised Liverpool for previously is they're prepared to overspend because they know which man they want to get and they're prepared to go and get the guy. I guess Darwin will speak about it in a minute. When they're haggling over 10 million for Cucurella, perhaps tells you that they don't have an obvious choice in that position, which it felt like when they sold Zinchenko, it felt like this was going to be quite simple, going to be Kukurelli that comes in for him. But that hasn't happened in that sense. So I don't know if they didn't plan for all of these players to leave 
or are there, are there just something that we're not seeing? I just think that they've um, they kind of set their stall of where they want to go, and they're not going to you know go over the top of that. They did that with Maguire a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Worked out all right for them. Well, yeah, yeah. Then I mean, they it, didn't do it for Van Dijk. Well, this is the thing that I I think they've got quite a. Um, they, they don't get taxed, say like a United do. You know, they they'll go in. They know that they know that they'll pay whatever kind of. So it's one of them, isn't it? Where they either set their stall and say we're not going above this, and hope that the player pushes it through, or they end up overspending and you then set a precedent for future then, don't you? Whereas teams know, okay, if they're coming in at a certain <laughs> point, let's, let's raise them five ten and see um, see if they crack. Well, yeah, because when previously when they've said they'll walk away, they have done so. It wasn't like United saying to Dortmund, I promise you, this is we're not going to be putting another offer in for Sancho, so you best take this one for about <laughs> eight months. They actually have uh, stuck by what they've said. Liverpool then we won't we won't buy your best player we will walk away <laughs> oh, okay if you have to okay. Liverpool then they they've done far less business uh, in terms of incomings um, Darwin Nunes the main man as we saw on uh, Saturday night sixty seven million pounds uh, can rise to a hundred million euros if we just want to say which one sounds better um, I've never seen so much attention on a pre season purchase I guess until Erling Haaland doesn't score 20 minutes in and then the script just flips. I've never seen someone... I've never seen Twitter both condemn someone for being awful, hand-lording them, all in the space of, like, a day. I've never seen that quite happen before. Like, a guy can score four goals in pre-season and we're still just kind of looking around the table asking each other, is he actually that good? He's the finest advert for how compilations can make someone look unbelievable or terrible. Yeah. I've yeah. seen nothing in between from the man. The two sides buffer each other as well because after the first game, all rival fans are saying, Darwin Nunes, Cartos, awful this guy. And so Liverpool <laughs> fans get their backs up and then he scores in pre-season and it's, oh, what was it you were saying about this guy? And then so in response, every time he takes a bad touch, it's like, see, we told you this guy was awful and it just keeps going up and up to a point at which neither side is ever going to be satisfied. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good summary. That's going to be but, this season and forever, because that's the age we're in, I'm afraid. If we took the hype away from him, if this was a new signing coming in, and I'll compare it, it's probably the last comparison you want to hear, but Marwan Schumach, when he came in at Arsenal, I'd seen nothing of the guy, oh, knew no hype or anything. So the first time I saw him, I was making a judgment on this is the first time I've seen him. If this was the first time you'd seen Darwin Nunes, what would you have taken away from Saturday? That he's okay. That he's not either of the things that we've been said before, and he's probably not going to score 40 goals, and he's probably not going to be a total waste of space. He's probably just going to be okay, which... Because I guess I we, we knew that Shamak was coming in to replace... Van Persie. So we were making the judgment based on this is our new main guy. For you, yeah, you know, this is also this is your main guy. And as much as Klopp will try to steer away from this, it's effectively the Mane replacement, isn't it? In your front line, it's Mane out and he's come in. It's going to be looked at like that way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so would that change your judgment at all on the on the fact that he's a starting player? Like when I watch Fabio Vieira, when he, whenever he plays his first game, I'm going to be basing that on 
this is a guy who's not going to be starting throughout the season. Darwin, there's a certain expectation there already, and I, I don't know if Saturday filled you with any more confidence, any less confidence. I think just getting off the mark should help him. I think if he had even just a few games of not scoring, uh, it's as you kind of pointed out, probably no one's had quite as much scrutiny as his signing. And from previous things you said about the attention he got on uh, social media and having to basically step away from it, suggests yeah. it does affect him. So uh, he'd obviously been having more and more of that the longer a goal drought went on. So in that sense, it's positive. And he, like he did in the Champions League games against us, kept was a constant danger throughout. But I don't think you question that. I think you question whether the touch will be good enough and whether he's going to be that composed in front of goal. That, there's that one where he goes to dink it over the keeper and doesn't quite pull it off. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could have a few of those and a few bad touches, even in games where he actually plays really well and people are going to be putting together these compilations and people are going to make out this is a sort of... He's a disaster of a player, whereas I think he's going to be good and effective, but even if he turns out to be a really, really good signing, I don't think he's going to be the sort of prettiest of players either. I think everything's going to look a little bit... He looks like the sort of player that everything looks a little bit hard work to him, which yeah. by comparison to the likes of obviously Firmino, Mane, Salah, is very different to what we've had over the last few years. Well, people are analysing his warm-up videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people need help. Which I took, I, I took his celebration on Saturday to be indicative of him hearing the talk that was going on behind it because it's not relieved. like, yeah, it, it wasn't a, I've been a fan of the Community of Shield all my life and I've been dreaming of scoring in this competition. It felt like a relief, as you've said. You did make a good point as well on Saturday that these Super Cup games, as they are in most countries, are viewed as a bigger thing there than this potentially is over here. So whether that coming in, he thinks this is maybe a bigger deal than it is, I don't know. I'd rather see you celebrating like that than you putting your head down and going, well, brilliant, well, I've scored here. Yeah, yeah, look, it's, it's in between your head going down, just walking back to the centre circle and doing like some sort of Lingard celebration. He's fallen somewhere in between that. And as long as you do, that's okay. Someone said they're going to be using his celebration as an advert for the Community Shield for years to come. So if he leaves no other legacy, it's going to be, this is what the Community Shield means. Fantastic. He can have a Sheshenko career here. Then. Didn't, didn't Nani score a last-minute one in the Community Shield against City, Connor, and go mental? Uh, yeah, he did. He scored... I think it was a dink, wasn't it? If I remember correctly. It, it was right mm. at the end of the game. Yeah. I could just remember yeah. the celebration. Yeah, that was... I think he ran off similar celebration. He was going wild anyway. That was I a Portuguese. Uh, I just love the Community uh, Shield, clearly. <laughs> yeah. That's when he was in Cristiano's shadows. So he was probably trying to come out a little bit. I just well, want to point out... I don't know. I just want to point out, but Luke definitely called Mane Manny there. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else heard that. It's going to be this sort of pod, is it? I think, you're I think, you, might be, I think you might be clutching there. Yeah. You wait till you read through the McDonald's menu. You You're definitely really said Manny. You definitely said Manny, like Manny Pacquiao. I think if you just press that little button that mutes your mic. <laughs> <laughs> Community Shell, I remember Wenger waiting at the bottom of the steps just to blank Jose when he got to the bottom. So, look, the Community Shield, it gives you some good moments. Doesn't so much community there, jeez. Fabio Carvalho, TK. Now, this is one that Liverpool fans were excited about. Are we expecting... 
a big season from him or we expect him to be a bit part player because previously we've seen a lot of pressure we put on these Liverpool youngsters and Klopp, guilty of it, maybe the wrong word, but he said previously that Harvey Elliott's going to have a big season this year. He said it about Curtis Jones. Are we expecting a big season from him or is he just kind of maybe just pumping him up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you say it, but then he says this about the players and then often doesn't play them. He would just routinely drop Curtis Jones. That's what I mean. So is it? Um, I think Carvalho is uh, someone who you had no real expectation was going to play much until pre-season where he got a decent amount of game time and then played quite well. So I think expectations have gone up just based on pre-season when in truth he may not get that many minutes. But maybe if he's done enough to impress Klopp, maybe he'll... I think the plan might have shifted. He might have thought, I'm not going to play you much. Uh, and in truth, we'll see a little bit more of it. Tricky, because sometimes young players do get game time in pre-season. Oh, he looks class. And then the manager just doesn't pick him again. So he's hard to tell. But he, he does look better than yeah. I probably anticipated he was going to. I saw some Twitter accounts say that Curtis Jones is, is never going to amount to anything better than a Danny Ceballos, which... It's actually quite a good career. Like I don't know if sometimes context isn't taken in these things. He's just won a European Cup. He's played first-team football for the last four or five years at, say, nearly the highest level in both England and Spain. If Curtis Jones goes on to ha- go on goes on to be as good as Danny Ceballos, I think Liverpool would say their academy has done a good job. Especially as they'd probably get about sixty million for him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a weird thing with Curtis Jones over there. There is like a sec- section of online Liverpool fans that just don't like him. It's really weird. But he and Sean have been banging the drum. I mean, we have the same. The same people will probably tell you that actually Naby Keita has been fantastic this whole time, and we does not see it. So <laughs> oh, well, maybe they need some serious, podcast, serious help. Um, Calvin Ramsey. Then, if we're limiting expectations of Fabio Carvalho. Is he even the guaranteed backup for Trent at this point? Or are we thinking he's third in line behind Joe Gomez? It probably still shifts Joe Gomez there, doesn't he? But listen, uh, a fairly cheap fullback from Scotland, obviously he's going to be the next Andy Robertson. It's because that's how things things work. Yeah, 4.4 million. And he's one that Liverpool have clearly done their homework on. They've been linked with him for a long time. And then got it over the line. Yeah, weird ones. I didn't hear anyone else linked with him, which normally once you hear of a club being linked with a young player, other clubs just join in just for the crack, don't they? they go, yeah, a lot well, of them. Remember that. about a year and a half ago, we were linked with one um, Josh Doig, his name was, and I think he was at Hibernian maybe. And the whole summer it was like, when's Josh Doig signing for Arsenal? Never happened. And I still don't even think he's left Scotland. Um, so it's weird. Well, that period, Hickey, I, obviously. I... I swear none of the clubs actually watched um, Connor Wickham. It was just once they heard one <laughs> club was in for him, they were like, wow, we'll get involved. We'll have a bit of that. I had him, start, I had out, him as a starting striker in my fantasy team two I years remember. in a row. But turns out some of the clubs should have watched him. Yeah. Outgoings then, Sadio Mane, 28.8 million. Two questions here. How much of a miss will he be? And if his leaving goes to freeing up Salamore, is that a good thing? He'll be missed, won't he? Um, the first game we dropped points in. 
if we like stay, if we struggle to break someone down, they're going to go. Oh, maybe Mane would have made the difference there. Um, it's going to largely depend on how well Lewis Diaz does, isn't it? Really, probably that one. Big show of faith in both him and Jota that you've not gone and brought in a new like-for-like replacement. Yeah, as you said, I guess that Darwin is a hint we're going to change things and Diaz is the more conventional all shot as a replacement for money, I guess, in terms of position. But yeah, you're, you're all right. Show of faith because that's X amount of goals we're not getting anymore. Uh, in terms of freeing up Salah, I don't think he's going to change too much. Maybe he can, but I'm not sure how much more numbers are we going to get out of him. I think probably a continuation of what he's been doing is probably all you can hope for. It's it's definitely an interesting one. I guess it says a lot that he forced the move. I don't think Liverpool are actively looking to sell him. And I think we referenced when we spoke about it that they may even be happy to just let him run the contract down and value an extra year of him to be more than whatever money you were going to get. But Which it looks like they might do with Firmino. Yeah, I'm um, not ruling out Firmino perhaps getting a couple of these one-year, maybe two-year deals at Liverpool, depending on how much um, he contributes. If they feel that he's the perfect guy to guide Fabio Cavallio along, and so at the end of two years, you then don't mm. need to spend £60 million on another guy, maybe you do it that way. I did see a thing after the Community Shield that he told Brazilian press that he wants to stay, but how much or how little that means, I don't know. They asked him, uh, oh, will you be staying at Liverpool? And he said, of course. And then seized the opportunity to uh, show his pearly whites. <laughs> what a bloke. It'd be interesting if that is a continued thing with Darwin not starting, if whether Klopp is going to try and introduce him slowly. Yeah. And it's going to be reverting to tight with Firmino in there. That'd be interesting. Because I think in the patches he played last year, Firmino actually looked getting back towards his best. Yeah. But I just couldn't get a look at him because of the other guys. If he ends up doing that, we could have a situation where I'm sure us get in for a start, which would be odd. Other outgoings, um, Nico Williams for 18 million, daylight robbery, to be honest. Um, <laughs> We're turn it again, boys. Yeah, Takumi Minamino, 13.5 million, more robbery. And again. <laughs> Marco Groic, 8 million. Lock these guys up at this point. Ben Davis, 4 million. Arrest Julian Ward. <laughs> Get someone at that man's doors. Four million for Ben Davis. <laughs> it feels very much like uh, at some point they come knock on the door and it's like uh, Tom Cruise and that American maid. Where he's like, okay, yeah, you've got me. Fair enough. I'm not so. I wouldn't be shocked if it came out that you actually knocked on Milan's door and asked for money for Origi, and they he's on a free transfer. Oh, come on, a couple of million. <laughs> Well, you didn't see there was actually a clause in his contract that says even when he's out of contract, you pay us money. Sorry, it's just a weird little quirk. Well, if we go on to Manchester United, then Connor, ingoings, Tyrell Malassia, 13.5 million. I'll ask you about him in just a moment. Uh, Lissandro Martinez comes in for 51.63 million. Um, I've actually done a bit of reading on him uh, just to find out a bit. Um, and I wonder what's going you know, up here. He actually <laughs> sleeps in a shoebox. <laughs> I know um, they have a big thing at United where they take the pictures of the players coming into training. They actually couldn't get that with Lisandro because his booster seat has to face backwards in the car <laughs> because of the size of him. 
and United had actually planned a pre-season trip to Disneyland that was subsequently cancelled when they realised he'd just be watching. <laughs> when he goes bowling, he has to wear his own shoes because he don't do shoes that small. <laughs> We're still going. Um, but yeah, very good signing. <laughs> After all that. How how tall are we saying he is? Because they're saying five foot seven, he, five foot nine. Sorry, he's absolutely not five foot nine. <laughs> the guy was on a platform and he was smaller than Messi. I think maybe he's probably one of them. Then isn't he five eight? And he's he's trying to get that extra inch in there. When when I worked at a supermarket, he's the type that would give you a nudge and go, "Can you get that off the top shelf for me? Don't make a big thing about it." Or he strictly does online shopping so he doesn't have to have that happen. Gives Maguire a nudge at the corners. Can you win this one for me? I can't. I can't Gives win him this. a nudge. Maguire won't know what's going on. I think a bit of wind's <laughs> just passed him. <laughs> it is hope, weird, though, that you spent this much money the... on him and I don't think any other team was in for him. So there wasn't like there was a bidding war or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean... No other club was interested. It would be interesting to see if... Um... If it was the same energy, if uh, you know that bum club actually got him, but well, we would have played him left back. Is the, is the th- is the key thing here? I'm not sure. You that. Think you were left, worried? Left back is probably even worse because he's no, going to <laughs> he's going to have to defend that back post. I I hope we can see a stat of how much the views have gone up on that compilation of. Uh, him defending Haaland in the Champions League on that one game. He because United fans, though, you question his height in the league. And it's, well, did you see the way he defended Haaland in the Champions League? And I saw a separate compilation of the fact that Haaland skinned him about six times. Uh, you're also missing what he did to Nunes in the Champions League as well. But you, you also said that Nunes is a bum. He is, but you can defend what's in front of you. How do you feel about this one? Because... For 60 million euros, we'll say, um, you'd think he's not going to be benched. But at the same time, mm. I don't think he keeps Harry Maguire as captain if he's going to bench him because he had quite an easy path to strip him of the captaincy, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I, I It is a pretty strange signing. Um, he's banking on Varane not being fit. I think that probably does come... I'm not even making in... a joke there. No, no, no. I, I actually think that does come into come into factor. Um, the fact he's also left-footed, which is obviously, I think Maguire has kind of been stuck out there, and you do see at times he he does, he tries to travel with the ball, and then he he, he leaves himself one option of passing to his left to shore, where he's so dominant on that, on his right foot. Um, obviously, it brings another option. The club needs to get quite a lot of centre backs out anyway. Um, obviously, Jones Bye. is still there. I won't say anything bad about Bailly. <laughs> um, there it is. But, yeah, it is a bit of a strange one to to put a lot of the budget onto him. Um, but I guess we'll see. He's, he's obviously bought him for a reason. He's obviously had him before, so he's, he knows what he can do. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can't... I still can't work out what's going to happen as to whether Varane's going to be dropped. Um, I, I'd be surprised. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know where where it's going at the moment. I don't I don't really think anyone does. There's a couple of things that there there was a real thing after that interview, and I forget the guy's name. The guy who trotted down to the pub after your fans were 
outside his house with pitchforks. But he said, didn't he, that ultimately, <laughs> whichever players Ten Hag wanted, you were going to allow him to get. Yeah. And we said at the time, I think I even spoke to you at the time and said, that's probably not something I make public in the middle of a transfer window because yeah. then the price is just going to be going up and up and up. And they say Arsenal were interested up until around the 40 million mark and they weren't going to go any higher than that at Alakukarelia with City. They've clearly squeezed the maximum amount out of this and, and that applies more pressure than he would have had initially. And I don't know. It's interesting because a big thing with him is the way that he can play out from the back and his playmaking abilities. And that's the thing that leads the descriptions of him when you were saying, why should X, Y, Z club sign him? Is that not an issue then when you've got a guy in goal who, without even making jokes here, is statistically the worst keeper in the league when it comes to playing out from the back? Because you do have to be able to get the ball to your centre-back. And it sounds simple that you just pass it from the goal kick, but it's not quite like that when other teams are alive to it happening. So, it's not, but I don't think he is as bad as what he's shown the last few years. He's just refused he, to change previously. I think, well, he, he did an interview the other day where he, he said, look, I was goalkeeper for Spain, one of the best passing teams. You, you don't, you know, you're not keeper for Spain if you can't play the ball with your feet. So, I think he he is he's not great with his feet. I'll be honest. He, from what from what everyone he played seen, it long it, from a goal kick more than Nick Pope last year. Yeah, that's what I mean. But is is that him or is that is that what what was planned? I don't know. <laughs> so it's it's hard to know. Obviously, if if he's being told and he still can't do it, we're probably gonna have a Joe Hart situation next <laughs> summer, aren't we? Yeah. Um, whereas one he's having someone like Martin is. That is giving him an option. If he's looking up and seeing Maguire players, he's got to be as worried as the rest of us. Well, I, I think as well when um, when the team's playing bad, nobody wants a ball anyway. You could see that. Yeah, Maguire. Yeah, Maguire. Yeah, Maguire has been for his passing previously. I think he's, I think he's good on the ball. I do think he's very good on the ball. Better than and Varane. He, and he make yeah, he probably is better on the ball than, than Varane. And he he makes yards as well you know he, he does drive drive into the midfield with it but this is the problem was to if you haven't got anyone there who else can do that it it puts a lot of pressure on him um i think there was an article in the athletic where they they did say that where he's one of the best ball carriers but then if he's got no one else to do it he, he can't do it all the time and you, you're putting pressure on him and obviously he hasn't got then got the pace to get back so if you've got somebody else who Balanced on that. He's good sometimes. He does also take chances and lose the ball at key points. It's kind of like a bit of knowledge is dangerous. Yeah. It's kind of like he gets yeah. carried away with himself. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I do, I do agree with that. And if you've overpaid for Martinez, Ericsson is the opposite, isn't he? Where any other time you'd be paying a lot more for a midfielder of this caliber. Is this one that you thought was just paper talk when the link first started and how much of a difference do you think he's going to make to your midfield? I think when we, yeah, when you first saw it, you thought United aren't this smart. It's not, it's not something that they would usually do. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant signing. I think, I think a lot of people probably are going to think that he's going to play in the 10, it's going to be him and Bruno, but I, I don't think, I think he'll play both of them together. 
at times. Uh, maybe not, obviously not in the bigger games, but I think against some of the uh, some of the smaller teams, he's, he will play them both together and then just have That's one. That's going to be horrible. Well, the I, last game you started I, with with Fred, Bruno, and Ericsson in your midfield. Yeah, which I think I think it will probably probably be that against Brighton. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it if I'm honest. That means it was getting cooked. And I think, I think, yeah, when people think, oh, you know, maybe the energy or, but I think if you possession wise, that's not a bad three if they can keep the ball, which in preseason have been doing quite well. But it's whether that can that can maintain and do it against the bigger boys. We've just changed, we've just changed our problems from Pogba and Bruno to Ericsson and Bruno. We just it's just shifting the same problem to these guys are really good on the ball but aren't going to do any running for you. Like, yeah, but when they've got the ball, it's like, yeah, but mm. if you watched the league last few years, that doesn't work. Yes, as far as we're led to believe, United want Frankie de Jong to basically come in and swap with Fred in that midfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Fred still stays in the team. It does seem to be a yeah, thing, much like Xhaka, where everyone on the outside slates him, yet every single manager continues to pick them. Yeah. But, it, it, it'll be interesting. I said this when it pertained to party previously. There's very few midfielders in world football that can play that kind of lone six role. And if you're playing a four, three, three in the way that it looked, you were this weekend. I don't even know if Frankie's the guy to do it. And Fred definitely isn't because he's not positionally aware enough. He doesn't have the discipline. And those two guys in front of him, are even more forward thinking than, than the guys that we have doing that. And I yeah. think it'll look a lot more like when we had Laconga behind Erdegaard and Smith Rowe than it would like when you've got Xhaka and Erdegaard in front of party. I think you're playing a dangerous game. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I agree with that. I think it's something which, as I said, the, the De Jong one is one, which is obviously is key to what he wants to do. Um, I think that then pushes Fred on. I think Fred would would start in that three, um, gives the energy in there, which you probably need, and it does then free up Bruno to to play a bit more attacking than than the other two. But as it stands, yeah, it's going to be um, maybe he'll start McTominay. I don't know, just for energy, and obviously Ericsson <laughs> has only had one game. But here we are again, starting another season with uh, with McFred. And before before we move on, what can you tell us about Malassia? Uh from what you've seen in pre-season, are we expecting him to come straight in above Shaw or is he at least making it an argument? Yeah, I don't know if he'll come straight in, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. Um, definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him start on Saturday. He did very well on the weekend. Um, so he's at least forcing a conversation to be had. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a perfect signing, really. You know, not really too much pressure on him. Um, young, hungry. So, yeah, perfect for me. Um wouldn't mind a few more signings like that where you get, you know, yeah. obviously not, not everyone is going to work, but he's definitely somebody who, uh, who catches the eye. Outgoings, Andreas Pereira, you've, I mean, somehow oh, got finally. at least eight and a half million for him. It's going to rise. Uh, Pogba's contract expired. Lingard's contract expires. We'll speak a bit more about Lingard later. Matic's contract expired. Matic's contract expired. The outgoing though, that isn't quite an outgoing yet that we need to talk about is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, he told us the King will play Sunday and then dropped what was uh, subjectively regarded as a 5 out of 10 first half performance. <laughs> he then left the stadium without hanging around to watch his teammates play. 
for all we hear of how much he loves the club, he has a funny way of showing it. Yeah, he, he's he kind of does what he wants to me, which is uh, which is a bit of an issue. It was an issue I, when he was twenty three. It's a I, bigger issue when he's thirty seven. Yeah, I don't know if it's a difficult one because, like, well, like as well reported, he kind of doesn't have anywhere to go, which is probably a bit of an ego check for him. And that's a nightmare um, for you. Yeah, because it, it is going to cause problems. Um, He's not going to be one who's happy to sit on the bench. And at the moment, he's not going to get an over Martial, which is crazy, crazy to say. Oh. Crazy to say, but that front three in pre-season have been on, on fire and you can't start changing people. <laughs> Here it is, Martial. Oh, We're running it back. Mate, We're running it back. Martial doesn't it. start for Villa. Every pre-season, do not be fooled. No, 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 no. Let me, let, we're running this back to 2020. When we had, and we've added Sancho to the mix. So. The way we're laughing here, imagine Jack came on today and said, Batshuayi has been bossing it in pre season. I think he's going to have a great start. <laughs> That's the equivalent here. He's played every game as well. Well, we're going to speak about him. He's, just, he's in talks for a move away. So you may finally get some cash there. Yeah, but on top of that, Jack's also then said, our midfield that has shown zero capacity to work over the last few years is going to work this year. And our keeper has shown zero ability to play the ball with his feet is going to play the ball with his feet. It's every year we're just going to use that thing from the men in black where we just forget everything we've just watched. And yeah. you know what? United are going to be there. Just there pour a glass and drink it in. If you don't get hyped about it, there's no point in watching. Now that I do agree with. That, Connor, that I saw United a compilation for... to... Ex- Sorry, Jack. I was just going to say that 4-0 win against Liverpool has gone to so many people's heads. I can't speak there. It'll the same 4D chess can be overused, but <laughs> we've let them think, right, let them get a bit of hope, and then we can dash it during the league. I saw a compilation explaining why Martial was the man to play centre-forward for United. <laughs> there was a different sponsor on the shirt with the goals that were being shown. You can't be showing me goals from four years ago and saying this is why he's the guy. You don't use it. The sponsorship was sharp was the issue. <laughs> <laughs> that Valham door clause, worst thing to ever be publicised. I, I think not run that out. he is somebody who, yeah, he is one of them which you don't know what you're going to get. When he's good, he's very good. I've got an idea of what you're going to get. That's the issue. Are you, are you <laughs> yeah. sticking with exactly us, Connor? Are you bouncing? Because <laughs> I'll take your predictions from you before you leave, if so. Yeah, take my predictions and we'll... Uh, All right. Give me, and you we, know what, we, we won't have the larger discussion about it, but give me your top eight if you've prepared as such, and then the other things I asked for as well. Top eight. Hopefully no, you're not doing it from the top of your head now. No, you know I like a controversial one. But... That's as big of a cop-out as I've heard. Oh, no. City, top. Yep. Oh, he has gone bold. <laughs> Spurs, second. <laughs> Liverpool third. United fourth. Oh! <laughs> I can't believe that that's, it. that's the biggest one. Um, I knew the Spurs one was coming because you've been consistent on that. Yeah. I'll go Arsenal fifth. <laughs> Chelsea sixth. <laughs> West Ham seventh. Leicester eighth. Jesus, that might be the boldest yet. <laughs> oh. Relegation? 
Bournemouth. Southampton. He's like Davina McCall with these pauses. Fulham. <laughs> the thing is, I, so I we have another Everton. one. You I could really be want to say, I really want to say Everton, but I don't know. I just feel like they, they right. might just have enough. Top goal scorer? I'm hoping Haaland. What? Just for various side bets, that's all. Uh, um, you're going to need a bit more speed with these. First manager, Sasha. Lampard. Most improved team. <laughs> if not Martial, by the way. Most improved. Um, mm, You're eating into shoots from, time here. Yeah. Now I, um, now I know he's I, thinking of I, from, from, from last year, Leicester. United into fourth is a bigger improvement than that, to be to be honest. Yeah, but um, last year was such a bad year. It's, it's not a comparison. Team that will perform below expectations? Mm. Chelsea. I was about to say, he's got Chelsea six. Yeah. Chelsea didn't prep yeah. these when I asked. No, and finally, Chelsea. a bold prediction to sign off on, although Martial second in the Golden Boot race might just be that. There you go. That's it. Martial, second. All right. Well, we'll bid you farewell. Um, adios. Au revoir. Go and take your meds. I look forward to hearing yours. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start with Spurs because Sean's now put a uh, time limit on me. Uh, these boys, they just show up every so often and then uh, try and dictate things. Really I do thought, I thought, I told you, you should have dropped him. Should have dropped you did him tell me that, start. Sean, but I didn't forward it on. Now, Spurs' <laughs> transfer business. Richarlison in for £60 million, Eves Bissouma for £27 million, Jed Spence, 12.5 initially, £7.5 million in achievable add-ons. Ivan Perisic for free, Fraser Forster for free, and Clement Longley on loan. If we start with Richarlison... Alex, Sean, whichever one of you wants to jump in, are you shocked by this signing and do you think it's a good signing? Yeah. You, uh, right. I, well, I can, I can go and then you can go after if you want, Alex. Uh, I would, yeah, yes to both, I'd say to those. Yes, I'm shocked. not signing Spurs usually do in terms of well spending that much money, but then also buying you know, one of the best players from another team in the Prem. Um I thought that's then, what you yeah. predicated on previously when the likes of Dembele. Well. But you tried it with Dembele, Sigurdsson. I guess at the lower at the lower level, potentially. I mean, well, I say that. I appreciate Everton just about scraped relegation, but yeah. not at that level. You know, if you look at like Dembele or players that we signed from the championship, if you look at, I guess, Carrick from West Ham, Defoe, that was more at the lower end of lower fee. But spending like this much money, yeah. Yeah, I, on, I guess, is, is, is the different element. Um, and but then yeah, also to your point, we have we probably haven't really done that what we used to do for a while anyway. Um, so yeah, and the, but then yeah, I also think it's a good one because it's similar to when we were in the Poch era, when we were in a situation where we felt like our best eleven was there and we couldn't improve on it, so we just didn't really sign anyone. Well, actually, didn't sign anyone. Um, changing it to then buying people that could compete. So I do think it will be a good signing. Um, I don't think it's going to be someone that. Because I think the front three, starting three, is still going to be the same from last season. 
and then it's whether Richardson works his way into that. Um, but I think he'll be a good that, op. That that's that's my question. Is like is has he been bought to plug? Like uh, basically, if they identified effectively a gap in where we could have done with a guy who can put the ball in the back of the net consistently when Kane drops off for an injury or whatever. Um, obviously, Kane provides that creative element. Whether they've identified him as somebody who can plug that gap and get that like that sort of the money ball approach. I, well, I'm Kane not sure, also but... haven't been the most robust of players either. So I'm no. sure he's been assured you will be playing games this season. So yeah, and then yeah, I, yeah, I think sure. he'll, Kane won't play in um, you know Carabao Cup or early FA Cup games with Richarlison, and then possibly. Uh, we don't know what the Champions League group is yet, but if there's an obvious team in there that isn't very good, then I imagine Rosalisson will start that game instead of him as well. Is Does the fee give you any cause for concern? Because as we said, this is kind of the range where a bit more pressure is applied. Um, no, it's not. tricky because we, we, we've signed we've signed like strikers before, which are like... Not, 60 million. Like, yeah... Yeah, we we've signed strikers before that like are at the lower end of that scale, hoping that they're going to become something of that value, and it's never worked. Like so, uh, well, that's it. They've been forgettable. Um, the uh, what? I forgot his name. Uh, went back to it's Soldado, back to, the most expensive. Soldado. No, this isn't it. No, 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 not Soldado. Um, see, Dutch lad. Janssen. Um, Janssen. Janssen yeah, sixteen million, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, but that's what I'm saying. You sort of we bought we bought a striker at the lower end of the scale, in the hope that they might be, you know, a, a, a decent pump for the value that will grow into something with potential. Rather, and with with this signing, we've just gone right. If we're going to buy a striker, we're going to buy something big, and just commit but commit to the signing. That's the issue. That's the issue to me though. Is Richarlison feels like an in between signing, whereby he's not someone who's a bit of a pun. Nah, like have done uh, or he's not the proven product either. He seems like something nah. in between. And Spurs are dropping sixty million pounds, which they don't they tend to do on strike. He's the opposite. I, of a money I, I disagree. Point, I, 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 dis- I disagree. I think he's probably one of the best options that were available to us as a team. I don't think. I, I don't think you. I, I don't You're not think available to anyone that has sixty abroad. million. I just I don't think we would I don't think there's any other strike I don't think we wanted to go abroad I think we wanted as proven a commodity yeah. as we could in the Premier League and I just don't think it's kind of like if you compare it in City scale for example if who they could sign you know it's it's a bit different it's what's available to us with what we can you know offer to them effectively in answer in answer your part though I'm not I'm not particularly bothered about the financial element. I don't think you should be. So, yeah, not. I mean, it's more the outside guess, pressure that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but you know, <laughs> he can just look. Forget Ruff. He can look in the change room and see Don Bello still there. So, as long as he's not doing as bad as him, then yeah, God, that's, 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 that's the thing. In terms of, I mean, you referenced it being a money ball signing. The money ball signing is like the clever. We go on the statistical analysis, and we yeah, go from yeah. there. So Richarlison is the opposite yeah. of that. No, yeah, that that's that's a fair point. It was more the the side of that that was making the point is like they've identified a player that can fill a gap in the numbers for them that they think are not. Yeah, it's a bit. It's it's not the same with football, but you that's, get what I was. You you get, you get what I'm saying. 
they'll speculate as well that he's done that in a struggling team. So in a good Spurs team, yeah, those numbers will all become enhanced. I, I do wonder about the fit as well, though. You know, I think yeah, as a, as a third part to it, Kulishevsky I thought was probably the perfect sort of fit to that attack. And Richardson, I kind of feel like isn't. Now I agree with you potentially if you need someone just to fill in for Kane or Son or whatever, that makes sense. But I don't know if dropping. I I agree with Sean about I don't have an issue with them. It's just that if you spend that, that tends to suggest you're committing to playing this guy and he thinks he's going to be playing. The analysis yeah, like, I, I think, I mean, it, it's the fact that I'm sort of taking that that sort of approach to the way of thinking about it tells you a lot in the respect of how I feel about the signing. I'm like looking for why they've signed him and it's not just mm. an obvious, it's not obvious at all. Like mm. I, it, my, my instant feeling about the signing is a little bit anxious and like, yeah. could we have spent that money elsewhere? Like, that's how I feel about it. I don't, he's a good player and he's got, you know, he could do some great things for us. But right now I'm looking at our squad and I'm looking at a couple of positions, which is a bit like, mm, I probably would have liked to have spent that many there instead. So, I do hard, think, hard yeah, on the call. That, that element of things, I definitely agree with. I know so, me and, but I know Luke, I think you disagree. We have different views on this, but I do think the five sub thing is going to change that aspect. It's going to be a little bit more like, uh, you could describe it like basketball or NFL sometimes, where you have starters, but then sometimes still on the bench, men that play more minutes. Or you think Richarlison's sixth man of the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Potentially. I do think that kind of thing will happen. And you'll have, like, there's lots of talk in media about it being like starters and finishers, but you'll have sub more subs on it, like 55 minutes, 60 minutes, where they play almost the whole half. So they'll play a lot more minutes that way rather than, I think, coming I, on with like I 10 minutes to go. It would be a big thing previously until I, and I'm literally, my opinion of it is based on the amount Klopp and Pep asked for it and then the amount they used them when having the five subs available. And yeah. that, and they're two teams that have far more depth than the rest of us. So that was my only real basis for it. I think it may right. be an adjustment throughout the season where if one team starts doing it and you can pick up the reaction uh, the responses to it then others may start dipping in more often yeah my thing with that sorry. is i was just saying my thing with that as well though is i think that be interesting to see but liverpool and city are obviously they're winning games most of the time aren't That's they fair, yeah when someone who's like drawing or losing do they then have these more options to bring on um i guess the likes of spurs arsenal uh, maybe United who are obviously winning more games but there'll be more times where they're like struggling and they could bring on these other options yeah. I actually you, think with, with you guys won't. Sorry, I was just in terms of the five subs. You guys won't have seen this, but in the it's already showed in the lower leagues. If you look at uh, the Cheltenham game on the weekend, Peterborough obviously going to be seen as a team that are towards the top of League One. Cheltenham towards the bottom. The five subs rules come in there. They were two 0 down. They brought on three subs and they ended up spanking three two because they could just go right. We're changing it. So there's that disparity in that league is already showing. So essentially, yeah. you could be right that the impact could be pretty big. I think with Richarlison, this is the most anyone's actually analysed it. The the analysis previously just seems to be... I mean, he feels like a Conte-type player. <laughs> and yeah. he does feel like a Conte-type player, to be fair. Um, I think that does just feel like what... Dogged is probably the word you're here to describe Conte-type players, but yeah, he certainly, he certainly fits into that. He's one who I don't want to see at the Emirates when it's nil-nil. And I've no doubt. He's scoring HG for sure. Well, his, his he entire thing, 
that he's done in the last two years is how do I make up for not scoring goals? Oh, I'll just be a complete prick online to the rival <laughs> fans. And it works a charm. And mm. so I've no doubt that he will lift up some white flair at the Emirates. He'll tweet North London is white. And it'll be lapped up that's by 60. just about everyone other than the rest that, of us. That 60 million price tag will be, I'll be saying it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Yeah, for that moment alone. <laughs> I actually think Spurs tend to get away with it usually and the price tags don't aren't brought up to them too much. So I've no doubt we'll probably hear him being called a bargain within a few months. You're kidding. You're, you're kidding. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? We don't hear You've about the under feed nearly as much as we should. And Dombele and Lascelles would be. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure fruits. about that. Yeah, it's about 100, it's over 100 million for those two. You got to think we, we get questioned we, about Darwin, and he hasn't started yet. Bearing in mind, we've seen <laughs> what a disaster Ndombele is for that similar sort of range of money. Yeah, it's 110 and, yeah. million for him and Lascelles. I uh, yeah, but uh, you're talking about a team which once had the cameras on them for the hundred bit. Well, the, basically the bail money and what we did with that. So. Come on, that track yeah, record's go. to do with the money spent on each one. It was more that each one was a bum. We weren't saying Soldado's a bum because they spent 20 million on him. We were saying, no, Soldado was just <laughs> a bum. You keep bloody forgetting about Ericsson. Every time you do this, you keep... Which one? Ericsson, 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 Ericsson is a banger of a deal. He was the one yeah, good the... signing out of it. Yeah, I know. I'm talking to Luke. I didn't oh, bring right. it up. Alex did. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I meant your anyway. comment was about they were all a bum. That's what I meant. In fairness, we don't want to start too much of a witch hunt on clubs spending loads of money on bail money at the minute. So <laughs> you can have that one for free. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say any names, Luke, so it's all it's all kosher. It's all above board. Well, we'll move on to Eve's Basuma. Totally unrelated. Totally £27 million. Pounds. Uh, this is a deal. I mean, things are in the open now. We, we, we can't mention it. Where Spurs essentially, in hindsight, bought this guy at the perfect time. They yeah. clearly knew something we didn't in terms of what was going on with the investigation and this and that. And so £27 million is a fee that we would have probably expected at least £40 million if we were asked at the start of the window for the price that Basuma was going to go for um, I think I can see very clearly where he fits into a Conte midfield where you don't necessarily have the bodies in there and so the two that you do have are expected to do a lot of work and I think he's an upgrade on Hoiberg particularly and so of, of the players that you've signed I do think this is the best one and I do think we'll be looking at the value for money come the end of the season Um also a weird one in terms of the speed in which this happened. It came went very, very quickly, which doesn't happen too much these days. And I've got to imagine they perhaps felt they were lowballing with the initial offer. And they were told that they were less far apart than what they believed to be. 27 million can't go too far wrong with that. No. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? What sure, are you going to You go. go. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, on that note, I was kind of. Uh, it's, it still does feel a bit weird 
about when, when we did go for it. Obviously, it has turned out okay, I guess, in the end, but wasn't yeah as, as best for these overall when we first made the move. But, yeah, I do think, ultimately, he is an upgrade. Um, I think looking at pre-season and from some of the comments Conte's made, I think he still needs to get a bit up to speed with the system. So I, I imagine the first game of the season, I think it's going to be Benzikou and Hoiberg that will start, potentially. But then, yeah, Basima will ultimately going to get that position from him and that'll be the starting two. Um, so, yeah, I guess time will see. But I think when he's up to speed, it, it is going to be looked on as a real good signing at, and at a good price. Well, I don't really know the best analogy to use for him because he's not quite a Swiss Army knife. He's kind of half a Swiss Army knife in that he can play the six and he can play the eight. And he's probably somewhere in between that in the role that he does play. Um, his, his defensive capabilities are probably perfect for the role he's going to be asked to play by Conte. And he's far more mobile than the other two players that you would have in a similar role. Um, I guess the question would be asked is if Conte is expecting any goals to come from your midfield, then you may look to where they're coming from. Or when you have Kane and Son and add Kulishevsky or Richarlison into the front three, it may be as we've looked at with Spurs previously, where if the two lines behind the front three can keep it compact enough, then you'll rely on one of those three to make the difference. Yes, yeah, that is what's going to happen. And um, again, we can go back to the Richarlison point. Like a lot, a lot of talk is about we still don't have actually that creative midfielder. So when those front three aren't working, Kane's a creative one. Richarlison can't do what Creighton does. So yeah, there is. I think there is still going to be an issue there, breaking down teams, which was the issue last year. But hopefully, the extra options will try and try and improve that. That, that was my fault with the with the Richarlison money. Was I was looking at this thinking. How are you looking at that Spurs midfield and not seeing we need a bit more in here? I mean, you basically, that midfield's basically reliant on the fact that Bentinker can do what he does when he's doing it well more often and consistently throughout the next season or so. Because if you had like a midfield of, I don't know, Hoiberg and Basuma or Basuma and Skip or something like that, you're looking at thinking, who's getting on the ball and dictating here? I'm, not, I'm just not sure, particularly in a Champions League game. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's where I think the hole needed to be plugged more There's than a glare of weakness. Yeah, like if you, I think there was times at the end of last season where it was pointed out that all you need to do is play us in a certain way, and we become one-dimensional with the way that we set up, and the and you've just got no other options in there, nothing creative. I mean, I am scratching my head a little bit about why we weren't more. I don't know trying to go in for Ericsson more than we appeared to be. I mean, he just sort of like, it seemed the only reason we got linked with him is because he was at us before and there was a connection there previously. I don't think when he, there he was won anything the solid. Yeah, I just don't, I'm not sure why, for me, he was an easy signing to, to make and letting him to go to United is a mistake. I just, if you're not going to commit the, because I don't think we'll sign somebody in that sort of role or anybody close to that role now before the window closes. Um, obviously, we've got linked with Madison and Newcastle are going in hard on him now. I don't think we've got the resources to match what they're going to be bidding for him. You wouldn't have played and Madison you, there anyway. He'd probably play, um, been added to the front line. Yeah. Yeah. At least with Ericsson but, as well. It's, it's obviously you're not coughing up huge amounts of money. So I think Spurs yeah, that, that's they could have punted. I, I don't know what United yeah. are paying him a week. But I've got to imagine that it's more not than Spurs pretty. would have been willing yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. The years the years and money. It looks like they didn't actually go in for him at all from Ericsson's quotes. But 
Either way, yeah. I think, yeah, it, they wouldn't have paid anywhere near as much as United or offered the years. And Dombele's mm. still there, by the way, so maybe we see a remontada from him. Yeah, he is. Well, yeah. If he actually had anything about him, he would be the perfect option, but clearly... Was yeah, that, me, that me, FA Cup third-round game where he just looked at the money and then we didn't quite see it again against whatever yeah. non-league club it was. And against... Uh, he, he, he did a like, good game against Liverpool as well, um, where he drew at Anfield. As did Emerson Royale. Just, just <laughs> something about this game. <laughs> yeah. What about... Me, uh, spoke about me and Sean spoke about uh, Undembele, and it's just like, I, I think more and more in the modern game now, you can't have a luxury player. It's just, you just can't. Who's he a luxury for? Huh? You can't have a pig in your midfield. It's probably an easier way to describe it. <laughs> at best, at it is. best, at best, when he performs, he's a luxury player. Well, I mean, I, I, that's I, a big luxury. I, that Luke um, won't agree because, uh, for obvious reasons, but it is a shame as a neutral that he is such a pig because he is fun to watch. Oh no, he, he was absolutely. But um, he's I, just, as Sean said, there's nothing about him at all. Clearly, because he's not get any sort of shape. And I was, I was quite worried. Um, and then it very quickly turned. And as a rival fan, probably I had more faith in him than Spurs fans would have in, look, I'm sure this guy's going to get it right eventually and it's going to be very depressing for all of us and that never happened. And if Jose making you run laps in the middle of COVID isn't going to get you on board, then I don't know what will. Because um, he's played under two of the scariest managers of the modern age in Conte and Jose. And if they can't put a rocket under him, but maybe the Premier League so for him. Uh, Jed Jed Spence, one that when his name first started getting linked to, it was with Arsenal. Um, he had the great game against us when uh, they Forest put us out of the FA Cup last year, and then he had a good game against uh, Leicester, and so he was being linked with Premier League sides from there onwards. He wasn't going to go back to Borough. I think he burnt his bridges there. Warnock had a few things to say about him in, in, in that time and Spence went out of his way to retort just after Forrest got promoted. At 12.5 million for an initial fee, that tells me, first of all, that there wasn't the bidding war that Borough anticipated there being. It's come out today that Chelsea told his team about a day before he was going to sign for Spurs that they'd be willing to match the offer as seems to be the case with uh, Todd. And we'll get on to Chelsea uh, shortly, Jack. <laughs> um, Some transfer policy this. Just to see what everyone else is doing. <laughs> but they've got Jed Spence over the line, and this could go either way. Um, everything you read is about a bad attitude, but when it comes to ability, everything points to the fact that he's probably the perfect hybrid of Doherty and Royale, which... Make, it sounds like a horrifying mix, actually, of a footballer. Yeah, but, dear Lord. What? <laughs> but it, it's, it's the kind of wing-back that Conte wants in his system, and you can see that from the charts and the heat maps and things. Do you think he's going to go straight into the team, Sean? I thought it was interesting that Conte came out saying this wasn't his signing, which felt like quite an unnecessary thing to do at the time. Yeah. Because um... he said some nice things after, but it just that one little quote in there felt i don't know why you've made a made a point to say this yeah yeah i'm not I'm not sure i don't know why but but it is what it is um i think that eventually like, i don't think he's going to be near it to start with i mean at the moment obviously we've, we've got three wing backs well possibly four if you count lucas Moore on the right as well yeah uh so i don't think he'll start i think it, conte's going to trust darty 
to start with and then and then Royale um, if it gets to that point. But I do think he'll eventually get there. My prediction would be by like halfway through the season, maybe after the international break, uh, he'll then move in and he'll start playing because um, ultimately he'll be able to offer more of what he actually wants yeah. uh, out of the free. Is there something to point to perhaps? Because Ivan Perisic feels a signing that's uh, very far removed from the other signings that Spurs have been making in the last few years. Is, is there a part of this perhaps that Conte let one slide to be able to have one of his own? Maybe it was he takes Perisic in the club, get Jed Spence done, and there's some sort of compromise there? Yeah, potentially. But then I think the other, and then the other view is that obviously Sessegnon's on Perisic's side, who's a young player who Conte clearly obviously quite likes. So yeah. then there's that succession element there. Whereas on the right, like Royale is obviously not a long-term option and Dotti's 29. So yeah, probably a mix of the two. Uh, what can you say regarding Perisic? Because from what was being spoken about as just a bargain signing when it first happened, I feel the expectation on his shoulders is so huge now. When whether it's from fantasy league players just expecting big things, or just the hype that's been generated when people have looked at what Conte's done with him before, and I guess the fact that he's been linked with the Premier League so many times before, so they have all these data packages on him. What do you think of him now? Is there any reservations about his age in the Premier League? Is there anything that perhaps this is the short-sighted kind of signing that Spurs shouldn't be making? I don't know how you react to this one. Um, positive, I think, mainly on the base. I think, again, we've said about money. Well, maybe I contradict myself here, but maybe at this certain level, if there had been a big fee on a 33-year-old, then yeah. then maybe your, your view changes. But as it's free, I don't. there's not really much much to lose there. I think it's a good signing. I think Sessegnon can learn from him, but also he's obviously someone who's played that role well under Conte, succeeded in it, uh, and offers a lot more than than what Sessegnon and Reguilón were offering. So I think my general expectation is it'll do well. I don't think he's going to hit the ground running from Conte's coach as well. He's not up to full fitness yet. Um, did all right. In the did camp. he go full Lichsteiner? <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't go full Lichsteiner, but you never go full Lichsteiner. <laughs> I, I was surprised that Chelsea didn't come in for him. When you look at a team that have a system that relies so heavily on wing-backs, and yeah. then mm. you have what looks like a very clear move, a guy that if you can convince him on the fact that, I mean, Chelsea are a bigger team than Spurs. I'm not saying that in a jokey kind of way. Um, they've got more to offer in terms of money and everything at this stage. I was quite shocked that of all the deals they've tried to hijack, this wasn't one of them when... Chilwell's injury record in recent years it feels like it would have been a perfect match especially yeah. when you look at the fact they've signed Koulibaly who we'll get on to but I know, it does clearly feel- they don't have any reservations sorry I didn't mean to cut you off I was just going to say it does, it does feel like a traditional Chelsea signing yeah. and then you've got Fraser Forster on a free uh, Clement Longley's coming on loan uh now, this is a guy who I don't think can do anything but exceed expectations. Yeah. Because the the talk around this guy, the way his stock's dropped since joining Barcelona from Seville, not good. Some will point to this perhaps being a balancing of the books job at Spurs. We needed a body in there. We didn't want to spend money on anyone who's a guy that's played in a back three previously on the left side. We'll do this one. Or maybe they've seen something, and this is the classic case of what a lot of teams on our level try to do. And I say that as you're in the Champions League, I know, but 
you you buy someone and you you bank on the upside but i thought it was interesting you didn't agree a buy option or anything along those lines yeah that i did find that interesting because you'd have thought barca would have been keen to yeah books as well um so i don't know whether it's there is that risk element of whether but even if it's option to have to go for it so i don't know maybe they've got their eyes on one of the bigger ones like Bastoni or Vardio next season. But I do think that potentially could be a green because Ben Davis is injured at the moment, but I imagine he'd be the starting one. And then yeah. Langley, because the way he can pass, he's such a bigger upgrade on yeah. um, Sanchez in that in that role. So I think he could be really good as well, but I'm interested to see. Uh, outgoings, you sold Steven Bergwijn for 28.13 million. Done a very good job there. Six million for Cameron Carter Vickers to Celtic, and Jack Clark's gone on an undisclosed fee to Sunderland. I'd imagine one to two million pounds, similar to what they played for Daniel Ballard. Um, Jack, we'll go to Chelsea next before Arsenal. I know you've been in the wings there. Uh, hopefully, uh, you're doing all right in the over there. Uh, Enjoying it. 50 million spent on Raheem Sterling, 34 million on Kaladu Koulibaly. I've noted down uh, that you've got Conor Gallagher and Armando Broja who have returned from loan because this does feel like a new signing, not to be too cliche. Sterling, how many tweets have you had to go back and delete? Not many, but my not opinion, many. <laughs> my opinion still hasn't changed on him. And I think is is it He's one of those where he's probably the best non-world-class player you can buy. Oh, I, I think it's harsh. Do, do his numbers not speak for themselves? The problem is, is that in that Man City team, you're going to get chances. And you're going to get chances. If you miss a couple, you're going to get a third and you're going to put that one away. So all, all of that goes away. This Chelsea team does not create as many chances as Man City does. So when you do get a chance, you have to finish them. And we've got a plethora of wingers that are aren't deadly. And, it looks and, like Timo's off. The, the annoying thing is, and I know I <laughs> this was his year, but the, he's probably the only one that I wouldn't really want to lose out of Yuzia. Yeah, etc. Which is like, I don't know how many other seasons I have to endure of him being absolutely awful. But at least, but yeah, that crossfield ball in the Champions the, League, don't forget. Yeah, the thing is, when he is awful, he still tries. Whereas when Pulisic and Ziyech aren't on it, they they just look lost. They look like they don't even want to be there. Whereas at least Timo, he's like the coach's son when you're like under sevens, where he gets a game because that's the only way he gets it. So he'll, <laughs> run, he'll run around to please his dad, but. He's not I, actually, I think the Pulisic deal will age as bad as the Undombele one. I think that's horrible. When you look at what he produced before he signed for Chelsea, right before a transfer ban, and you put 54 million on him. I know. Like, insanity. Yeah, yeah. People think, like, oh, yeah, well, he obviously saw something in him, but he didn't go over double figures for the last three seasons before we bought no. him. And that's got combined goals and assists. Sterling, by the way, I, I know this podcast was founded on the basis that you trust the eye test. If you do trust the numbers on any occasion, Sterling was actually the most clinical member of that Man City team for the last several seasons. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not slating. I think as we even saw it in a bit of pre-season. Our pre-season's been a shambles anyway, but we did see it. I, I didn't see many of the results. He's been, a, he's probably the, the only winger now that I'd back to actually beat someone with the ball. Um, what he does with it at the other end is another whole other question, but. 
we've missed that since Hazard, where we've got no one that can break any lines whilst carrying the ball. So we don't pull anyone out of position. So it's a lot of sideways passes and relying on a mistake. So I think uh, it's a very shrewd buy. I think winger-wise, what's actually available in the market at the moment, I think it's yeah. a good buy. I don't think... Yeah. I think genuinely we could, probably couldn't have done much worse. I think, no. yeah, I think it's a good buy, but I do worry about how many chances he does burn in a team full of people that already do. I think what's interesting is he didn't have to leave City. I'm sure they'd have been quite happy to keep him. I think something that you should cling on to is the fact that he clearly does want to play for Chelsea. Um, yeah. he's, he's turned down, we believe, moves to Arsenal. He's turned down moves to Tottenham before. So it's not just a case of he wants to live in London. I think there's something here where, like the other players that have left City, he wants to have an increased role in the team. He wants to be relied upon more. And it could go either way. But at 27 years old, you can probably cut your losses if it does go horribly wrong. And you can still get a decent fee for him, the fact that he's English. I think because of how down on this signing a lot of people are, because the reputation Sterling has, I think this one's going to over-deliver. I believe so. I think he's as close as you're going to get to a sure bet. I think Chelsea this season have been fairly shrewd where they've thought, right, we need to add goals to our team, but we need to do it that people from a proven in the Premier League standpoint because we've looked to the other European leagues previously with Lukaku and Werner where they're 35 goal a season strikers in other leagues and they come here and they look absolutely awful. So I think it's one of them where we needed to add goals that were proven in this league, which just comes on to a lot of the ones that we've missed out on. I think yeah. that was our transfer policy this season has been very much try and buy from within. Has it been a policy? <laughs> well, it would have been. It's been cheating off other people's work. It, yeah, Barcelona haven't been. It, basically, what Barcelona are doing is that episode from The Simpsons where Harry makes a deal with Flanders the Satan for a donut for his soul. And then they think, well, as long as I don't eat the final crumb. I'm not like. Did like you see damnation. someone already dug up an interview from Cucurella today saying my dream has always been to return to Barcelona? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been an absolute. They have been trying uh, to get rid of Jordi Alba as well. Crazy. But hey, if they Is took Cucurella, they'd have to leave Alonso for you. So. Yeah, I find I find it weird though because of all of the positions, I know that they probably trying to convert him into a left centre-back which I don't know if I see working or not because oh. his whole idea of football, the reason why he's good is because he kind of runs in from the wing and he's a bit tricky out in the wide areas so I, I just I just don't, when we've got Emerson coming back, Kennedy and Alonso, I think there's much many other places we need to be strengthening before we start buying them left-backs He wanted to play Rafinha at wing-back couldn't do that, and so he's going to convert a wing-back to a centre-back. I mean, the nicknames for Tuchel speak for themselves. Kaladu Koulibaly, £34 million. Tuchel's going to play him as a cam. Uh, I'll get Jack's opinion on this first before I share mine. I find it hilarious that we've been linked to him for the last five years, and it's finally happened. We're like, but it, it's happened again where we're too late FC, I feel, where you buy, you buy, we link with Falcao for years, buying when he's all... The early signs of Koulibaly is the fact that his injury record's actually really good. So the chances are um, 
he's going to have that longevity. But in a defence where we've got Aspelicueta, a 38-year-old Thiago Silva, <laughs> and a Bali, I just don't... I don't. I, I can understand why he wants to play Kukurea at left centre-back now, because there's just no pace in that defence. You see, he phoned Terry to ask if he could have his number. Yeah, I mean, he better let JT know he was recording that pre-hand, because... God knows what would have come out of his mouth. <laughs> I did notice it was cut um, without them <laughs> saying bye. I think this sign is going to be a disaster. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Wow. The bloke, the bloke stinks. His it's reputation pretty, wow. is alongside some of these Madrid guys, and I'll put Isco in this conversation, where you can keep telling me how good this guy is. The eye test is telling me different, and I'll apply this to Diego Carlos at Villa as well. I, don't think I watched that- Lacazette turn this man i watched him spin this man out of his boots the guy that has the turning circle of whatever the biggest circle you can think of is he's a disgrace and if you think these slow feet are going to work in the premier league another thing coming if we, if, if everyone just punts it onto his head fair play i think we've consigned ourselves to playing three at back for another season Put it that way. i mean you can try it but i think i, I look at it and i think we need to go and sign a mobile centre half. And I think if Ake was about three inches taller, we would have gone heavily in for well, him. You're trying to negotiate for um, Vardiol from Leipzig in the same conversation as sending Werner out there, but they're making it very clear those deals will have to be done separately because they want around £80 million for FIFA, Vardiol. FIFA has a lot to answer for, don't they, with uh, swap deals? Because they never have Yeah. Oh, we we saw what happened when they do happen yeah. and yeah, they're better off not happening yeah. if I can just jump and we'll just get Sean's predictions before he bounces he's obviously got better things to do um, yes. Sean because we haven't even got into the uh, outside of the top four yet uh, Sean give us your top eight top eight are Liverpool City Spurs Arsenal Chelsea United Newcastle West Ham Kiss of death, that CK. I'd not, I'd not bother out the season already. Yeah, I won't bother watching. And he's done that on purpose. That's what really is. That's a dagger. <laughs> Relegation predictions? Uh, I'll be honest, I did overlook Leeds. I haven't included Leeds. Uh, I did overlook them. But you could interchange Everton or Leeds. I've got Everton there, 18th. Bournemouth, 19th. And Fulham, 20th. Top goal scorer? Uh, Harry Kane. First manager sacked? Could have been Lampard, but I went Marco Silva. Most improved team? Newcastle. Team that will perform below expectations? I put Leicester for this. And a and a bold prediction. And bold prediction is neither City or Liverpool will win a domestic trophy. I'm not okay. including the okay. community okay. shield in that. Why would you not put the community shield in that? Because <laughs> it's a cup. It's based on last season, that's why. Okay, okay. I thought you were cup. In fairness, if he predicted that neither City or Liverpool were going to win a community <laughs> shield, that would have been bold. <laughs> I mean, he predicted neither would be in the top two last year, so. Yeah, that was a bad look. <laughs> All right, adios, Sean. Um, adios. Jack and Alex, um, I'm not including TK because, uh, there I say, Mr. Reliable. I don't know how late either of you have to be here, so if you do have to bounce, uh, didn't expect us to spend so long on. Uh, Lissandra Martin, actually I did. I've got more <laughs> bullet points down for him than anyone. Um, but if you do need to bounce, just let us know and we'll uh, finish the job. Chelsea, I'm being Jack, held under just... duress. <laughs> exactly. Just to continue, Conor Gallagher, now 
I'm basing this entirely off one preseason game. Didn't always good to do that. Didn't, <laughs> didn't slot into your midfield in quite the way I thought he might. And maybe it's just been a bad preseason overall, as you've suggested. The whole preseason's been a bust. Like, it was been... <laughs> like he'd just been told to boot Saka for 90 minutes. Yes. I mean, I'm not. I'm trying to forget this preseason happened because if I don't, I'm, we're going to have a really long season. I'm not excited for the new season. I think the problem we've had is that we've lost in areas that we haven't recruited for and we haven't recruited goals in areas when we do need to. So it's just, it feels like it can be a bit of Groundhog Day. Conor Gallagher is definitely going to be someone that's going to try to look to be just some sort of creator because we don't have one at the moment. Um, I, I don't think you can take much stock from a, a games where you're changing the team every 45 minutes and you're flying from Nevada to North Carolina midweek playing games and then going down to Florida for a bit. I think we spoke about this before, Byron, where yep. whoever planned this preseason tour of Nevada, California, North Carolina and Florida all in the space of two weeks, it's just mental. Why would you do that? You would stay in just one state, surely, and just play teams for in and around that. You've got enough European teams that are touring over there at the same time. Just why are you playing Charlotte FC and losing to them on penalties? What is that all about? That's not going to help our image at all. I just don't think it was wisely thought out. But from what I have seen, gameplay-wise, it's been pretty much where we left off last season. So... <laughs> Which isn't a good thing. I, I can I can see Brozier getting getting game time because if Mitchie Batch away, the only reason I can think they've been playing him is so he can put him in the shot window. In Frank he's, Lamp- he's in he's in advanced talks to join Everton. Yeah, I was about to say Frank Lampard cementing his. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That club. Yeah. Is, is there something to be said though, Jack? That willing may be the wrong word, but you were certainly entertaining talks to sell him to the point where West Ham had agreed a fee, Newcastle were in for him, Everton were in for him. To then say, okay, we're going to keep you and you're going to be playing serious minutes this season feels like quite a flip. And the type of flip that doesn't usually happen a week or so out from the season starting. It was because in fact, well, he wasn't initially brought, no, uh, Broger, because he wasn't initially brought on the tour, was he? No. So I, I think it's a flip because we've realised that there isn't, we can't get anyone else, really. There's no other main marquee signings. And they're probably thinking, Instead of going dumping a hundred million on something that could flop Mike Lukaku last season, <laughs> seeing as we already have him and he has as many Premier League goals as Lukaku did last season, believe it or not, to Southampton. Oh no, I can entirely believe that. Yeah, the thing is as well, I think he's he would probably fit the system a bit better. He's a lot more mobile. He's quite quite a fast guy, and obviously he must have uh, he must love Chelsea just from when I sat next to him in that restaurant and took a photo. <laughs> Uh, and I must have just thought that guy obviously wanted his photo so badly that he wants to stay with us. Um, I think we'd be, it makes more sense for us to risk it on Brozier yeah. and then save and bank the money. And if it doesn't work, go next season when the market changes a bit. It feels very reminiscent of the Tammy situation, that. Yeah, it just makes you think like you should have just kept Tammy. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, that point. I, I meant the year before where you couldn't get anyone, so he's here. 
Yeah. And I never, I've always felt that wasn't really a ringing endorsement for him of, why well, you're here because we couldn't get anyone else. I, mean, he did. So I feel like that puts the pressure on Broger as well. Where it's like, look, technically you're a Chelsea player, but yeah. you've probably got a year. He did look good um, for Southampton in parts. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked good with the ball at his feet actually running at defenders, yeah. which is something that Hautuka wants to play because if you've got two wingers running past the striker, you want the striker to be able to create openings for those two wingers as well as vice versa. Whereas Lukaku, I mean, second half of the season, he just didn't care. I mean, that touch record against Palace was insane. So <laughs> everything in the final third just stopped working because of that. And that's why I had to bring Havertz in. Well, how, how do you feel about going into the season with Havertz as your number nine? I, I, I break every time I see there's a Twitter account with the username Clinical Kai. Which which yeah. Kai are we talking about? Like, he's, I've seen that someone did a compilation of his misses, and my God. <laughs> but then he scores like the goal he had against Newcastle. I know. I, I know. And he's got he's got the tech. He got the technique. Maybe I mean he is still fairly young. I want to say he's what 22. Like, I've I've been as big of a defender of his as, as you'll find. So, I yeah, mean, I hope he doesn't kick on, but I do think he will. Yeah, I I think it's you just need to stick with it a little bit more with him. I think he could probably do bulking up a little bit. He's still quite skinny. Well, he looked at his best when he was actually competing with Lukaku. It was yeah. when he was seemingly given assurances that you're our guy. I don't know what happened, um, but that's when the form started to dip. Yeah, it's it's like the opposite of City, isn't it? Where someone gets a run in the team, they bang goals in, and then there's some way in the wings just to bang in even more when they when they stop. <laughs> Whereas with us, you, we kind of put all our eggs in one basket, and when that that eggs that chicken stops hatching, we're fucked. Is that's Lukaku out, Rudiger out, contract expired, Christensen contract expired, Saul loan expired, and then quite clearly there. You've got Koulibaly replacing Rudiger. I genuinely think... Gallagher like, for Saul. I, I've said this before, where the Rudiger from his first 18 months is a great advert as to why we didn't want to give him the Rudiger from the last 18 months and you a big bumper deal. Because he's great, but we can also see how bad he's been also. I genuinely see, think... Ancelotti's playing him at left-back now. I didn't... I didn't Christ. See he oh. said it's he said it's him or Alaba and he Alaba doesn't want to play there, so he's gonna be trying Rudiger there. Well good luck with that because <laughs> he was uh suspecting a bit left centre back. So um It's Carla though, isn't it? it it'll somehow work out. He just yeah, likes making it interesting. He'll he'll raise his eyebrow when the magic will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think genuinely your slander aside, which I think is a bit harsh, I think Koulibaly for Rudiger is it's good a like for like you can get in this market. Gotta go big on someone. I think yeah, and then I'd probably just have to hope that Thiago Silva keeps his legs at 38 years old, which I can't see happening. So I think who, who's gonna have a better season, Conor Gallagher or Broha? Oh, I think if at the end of the season I ask you to rate both their seasons out of ten. I'm, Who I'm do gonna, you think you'd be giving the higher rating to? I'm going to say Gallagher because of how much on with midfielders rotated, how injury-prone Kante can be. Um, same, I mean, our, our entire team was injured at one point last season. So I think you'll probably see Tuchel revert the type a little bit. And in big games, if it's a question of playing like Breuer up front 
or Sterling as a false nine. I think you're more likely to see Sterling as a false nine if Havertz isn't available. Right. That's the way I see it. So I think Gallagher's going to have a better season. Let's go on to Arsenal before we two, give our... Go on. If Tuchel's reverting to time, let's let Interpol know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arsenal then. So Gabriel Jesus bought in for 45 million. Alexander Zinchenko for 31 million. Fabio Vieira, 31.5 million. Matt Turner, Matt freaking Turner, 5.73 million. <laughs> Marquinhos, 3.15 million. And a returning William Saliba. Outgoings, Matteo Guendouzi for 10 million. Dinos Mavropanos for 3 million. The pig left on a free. Nuno Tavares has been loaned out, was sent off two minutes into his debut and was then overturned by VAR. So, ever the blockbuster, that guy. Fern Leno is all set to leave for 8 million to Fulham. And Lucas Torreira is all set to leave for 5 million to Galatasaray. Bloke was homesick from Italy in uh, from Argentina in London but was happy to move to Italy couldn't get that so he's moving to Turkey uh, make that one make sense the, the Carlos Tevez strand of homesickness <laughs> well someone said Muslera is there at Galatasaray and that's literally all there is <laughs> but glad we're finally getting rid of that guy uh, gave us the one phenomenal moment against Spurs and uh, not a lot else Gabriel Jesus then if we aren't reading into pre-season, then I guess I best put my foot on the brake pedal because if we are reading into pre-season, the golden boot might not be enough. It may be Ballon d'Or time. This guy has been cooking from his first minute as an Arsenal player to now. That's that's lovely. That's lovely. That preseason so ever the reliable source. Reli- yeah, it's that's cooking. great. Preseason is ever the reliable source. I just said to you, whether you read into it or not, if we do, that's the case. Uh, there's a lot of faith elsewhere. Um, he's currently the most owned player in fantasy Premier League, so expectations uh, are a lot. Uh, Maybe it says a lot about the other strikers. Um, this was the one. This is the one that Arteta and Edu, I won't say their jobs depend on it, but this is the one they're going to be judged for the most harshly when they foregoed signing a striker in January after the Blahovic deal fell through. They decided they were going to wait to summer to get their target, and this was the target. Two other London clubs in for him. Chose the Arsenal. I don't think he chose the Arsenal. I think he was the. Uh, I think he was. They, he was made an offer, and nobody else was really that interested. Well, I mean, Spurs were, as his agent confirmed, and Chelsea tried to sign him, as they've done with a lot of players, uh, a day and a half a before point. he signed. Interested that, to a point. I find that very weird because I feel that that's exactly what we needed. Uh, yeah, but mm. well, if as Alex said last season that some players wouldn't join Arsenal because of Arteta then this was absolutely a deal in which the player probably has signed because of Arteta and Edu. Edu was the one that brought him into the Brazil setup. Arteta was the guy who worked closely with him as a coach at Man City and he spoke highly of him before he'd even joined us. So this is one where if they couldn't get this deal over the line I'd have been very concerned. You'd been wondering what deal you could get done. Exactly. 45 million. 
in when you look at the prices of other strikers, I won't I won't name names here. Um, looks like a good deal on paper. Obviously, he does have to bat that up when the league starts. But in terms of the system and the the clear system that we've been playing, he does look like the perfect centre forward to go and play in that. Now, pre-season obviously doesn't mean anything. We do have an Emirates Cup to add to the collection. But the signs are at least there that he can play with the team mates that he's got. He can find the back of the net. And uh, I guess most of all, he looks happy to be there. So happy with him so far. TK, if I asked you to put a number to how many goals he scores next season... In the league Premier goals? League. Yeah, league goals, yeah. I'm going to say 18. What should the target be? He's got to aim for around that. I, I think he's going to be playing week in, week out. It's not like you're not going to drop him. Um, his goals per game ratio isn't bad for City. So Third best gonna, in league history. So if you think you're going sort of, to kick on because you're going to be a starter... I think in his head, he'll certainly be aiming for 20, I imagine. I can forgive falling slightly short of that. Depends on how Arsenal's season goes. But you've got to be in and around that mark, I think. Now, I want you to put some pressure on here, Alex. What should he be expected to hit? I I think based on, I think, the goals that will come from around him, um, I think I, I I don't disagree with eighteen. I don't think he has to break twenty to have a successful season. I think it's going to be more on. Um, uh, he, he's not going to get over twenty. If he does, I'll be surprised. I think eighteen is a, a respectable target. We're coming for the golden boot. I don't think so. <laughs> you say we? You counting that as the trophy I don't, for you? I, I, I don't think. I, I don't think. I, mean, I think Spurs count it as a trophy. <laughs> That's rash. That that's rash based on who, you're who who you're putting him up against in the league. Uh, Harry Kane. Also, I, I can't like. When was the last? Uh, when was the last winger to to win about to win the Golden Boot? Uh, last season. So you played Sal- yourself there, big man. <laughs> son, son and Salah. Son, son and Salah sharing one technically. Son and Salah are his sons so, are from uh, there. It's a bit yeah. Neither Jesus. He's not. Played yourself there. Big dog. Um, but in terms of being a winger, we do have a very fluid front three and our 6-0 win against Seville, the best defence in Spain uh, at the weekend. All three of Saka, Martinelli and uh, Jesus all played all three different positions across the front line. So I've no doubt that will be happening throughout the season. Um, I, mean, I mean, the Seville one is there's a slight asterisk there, isn't there? Best defence in Spain, its defence has been ripped in two now. Yeah, by us. No, they don't actually, they're not actually still there, but other than that. Does that have the same ring to it? No, no, you are right. When, when I point thank out you. the facts involved, it doesn't sound as good. You are right. So I shouldn't have done that. Oh, thank you. Um, and, you know, my thoughts on Diego Carlos, I might argue they're a little bit better now. They also I... did look like they had a buffet before kicking off. <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> Looks like there was waddling more than there was running. But no, I, I'm I'm more confident in Jesus than I was before preseason, which I guess is a dangerous way to go. But the Arsenal centre forward you, should be hitting at least 15 league goals. 
you were feeling pretty bullish towards the end of last year when he's still a City player and we didn't know where he was ending up. So. Well, that's because he scored about six in two games. And yeah, I thought... His value is going through the roof. He's either doing this on purpose to not join us <laughs> or he's doing it to say, come on, come and get me. Turns out it was the latter. Now, perhaps the more interesting one is Alexander Zinchenko also joining from City. 31 million. Now, I would say where you place the value on this transfer depended on what position he was going to be playing. And he said that primarily he's been told he's coming in to play as a left back. And so I think when you compare £31 million to £50 million for Cucurella, shall we say, you look at the price that Chelsea had to pay for Chilwell, you look at the price that was paid for Luke Shaw and all of the other left backs that you get across the league, fullbacks are a hard position to come by, and so there's a premium put on that. I think it's probably about right. I think, if anything, it's probably closer to overpaying with the minutes that he's played. But I guess, again, you're banking on the upside here, the fact he can play multiple positions and what he brings to the squad as much in mentality. I wonder if he has a tears per game bonus. <laughs> Seems like he's constant. Are you going to apologise? Oh, it seems constant. <laughs> well, weirdly, his country is under attack, <laughs> which may be why he's crying. Even before that, he was there. What do you mean before? What the hell was he crying about before? He was a crying. Luke, you're talking to a Russian sympathiser. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. <laughs> <laughs> With the Zinchenko signing, it's whether he has to play minutes in midfield, which will maybe be the asking point. Covering for Tierney is something that's not even an expectation as much of a guarantee. I'm um, that he will have to play some minutes in midfield. Uh, I think he, I think he will do. the The issue is where he does play, and whether it's Xhaka drops in to cover an injury for Party, whether it's Zinchenko, we've not seen him play as a six. Um, or whether they do rely on El Nenny, which, as I've said, is a dangerous game to play. Lukonga is still the guy they claim to see there. In the long run, it's not something that I can see coming out in that aspect, but I'm not too sure. Um, I think it's a good signing, personally. Mm. I think that there's a level at Man City that they will have to adhere to. And I feel that whenever they come out of that City side, most City players do look quite good in comparison to when they go into teams that aren't competing for the yeah. league week out. Well, he's so, one where the, my uh, receipts don't age too well on him. Um, I can put that <laughs> out there immediately. Um, mainly, shocking twist. When he was going to sign, when he was linked with Wolves, I didn't see why he wasn't taking that up and I didn't see why he wasn't taking the first team football. He did then go on to play, I think, 25 games the following mm-hmm. season. So it aged well from him from that perspective. Um I think he's one where when you describe him as a fullback, it's never good when you say the defensive part is their weakness, but that also does seem to be at least 70% of fullbacks when you say that now to the point where someone like Tommy Asu, who's the opposite way around, is just regarded as somewhat of an enigma in that they actually like defending. The aim is... I guess the aim for most teams is that we aren't going to be defending as much as usual and 
we play this kind of two three five that Liverpool do and that City do when you're in possession and the two fullbacks almost tuck into a midfield three alongside your six. So that will be all well and good if it does work. And so the role is very key there. It's how well that plays off when you play a team that are going to play with a low block and they aren't going to press you in the same way. And then it's a bit different. I think character-wise is probably part of the reason that he is being brought in in what Jack said, or was it Alex said in signing Richarlison, they wanted kind of a, re- a ready known quantity. I think that's the case with Jesus and Zinchenko in they were as close to Arteta knowing what he was buying as you're ever going to get with the signing, but the fact that he's worked with them for several years. Fabio Vieira for 31.5 million is one where there's going to be pressure, but it's how soon we get to see him play. He's been injured for the whole of preseason, so we've not been able to see him yet. It's on the basis that, look, we needed to get this guy before his price tag went up. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I think he's definitely one for the future and definitely needs to get in the gym for a bit first because he's a very, very slight guy. Matt Freaking Turner had a ropey Arsenal debut. It'll be interesting to see how he does. You shouldn't have to worry too much about a backup keeper, but that'll depend on whether... Arsenal player number two goalkeeper in the Europa League or not because I have to imagine Ramsdale wants to play for the, in Europe for the first time so I don't know yet how Arsenal are going to manage that and then Saliba like a new signing as I said I've never seen a loney hyped this much mm. the Van Dyke regen <laughs> with better knees that is, that is hype well, the hype really started, didn't it? When, and it sounds trivial just describing it as such, but that tackle he made on Mbappe was essentially where the clip went viral um, and the hype was put on him. Now, it has gone to the extent where every mistake he makes is also amplified, but due to the injury record of Tommy Asu, another body was needed there. It means no Rob Holding, and we saw what can happen when he's given significant minutes up at Tottenham at the end of the season. Uh, ben White has shifted across and is able to play it right back when uh, he's not there. So our defence looks very good. On paper, I won't say it because that's going to be clipped. On paper, it looks very good. You've had to say the best in the league. <laughs> no, I was going to say second. <laughs> okay. After City. <laughs> oh, girls. I'm, I'm I know you mean it as well. The thing is, I know well, you don't I'm, want to say it's going to be clipped, but I definitely know you mean that. Centre-back-wise, I don't take any of them outside of Van Dijk over our, over our top three. I think there's an argument between them, at least, though. So if you say Van Dijk is standout ahead of the rest, yeah, I wouldn't disagree too much that I would say Mati, Canate, Gomez are in a battle with uh, Gabriel and Ben White. I haven't seen enough of Saliba to make a judgment. I would say those are in a, a pool where they're fighting each other. But as a result, when you've got the guy who's the standout, that's pretty significant. And, and then I we've take... got the two best fullbacks in the league in, well, well, in some that's respects. Well, that's where I might question because a fit Kieran Tierney 
Well, I think you've answered your own question now. And I just I just don't know if Robertson could play that inverted fullback midfield <laughs> role in the way that Zinchenko can. <laughs> well, I might question that as well. Now, but, Trent, um... now, Trent absolutely could do. So if he wants to make the move to North London, we'll give I'm him sure, a go. I'm sure he'll get, uh, he'll get the itch to at some point. Everyone we'll does. let you have uh, Maitland-Niles in return. And I think that would be a very good uh, backup option. Do you, want my, uh, do you want my predictions? I do. We're about I, to get I, I, into I, I, that, but clearly you've got something I, I, better to do. Well, I expect something well, better for my, uh, by a regular, but there we go. Oh, I, I do apologise, but I'm yeah. That from I'm Alex as well. I'm, I'm getting that from Jack as well. Disgraceful. TK looks like we'll be uh, <laughs> finishing things off. Well, um, Alex is able to listen to this when the people involved in it can't even stay in I know, I know. Alex, give me your top eight. Okay, I've got uh, starting from the bottom: Newcastle, oh, West, New, Newcastle, West Ham, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, and City on top. And City with a comfortable title win, I will add. Um, relegation to everyone's ears. Well, I'll get Jack's as well. Easiest, Jack. Give me a top eight. My top eight is City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, United, Newcastle. So what, you got Chelsea in sixth? That's only seven. No, I've got Chelsea in fifth. you got Chelsea fifth. He's only given seven. Yeah, where's the eighth? Dave Newcastle, I thought, at the end of West Ham. Oh, okay. Uh, Did you say United? Yeah, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, United, West Ham, Newcastle. Okay, right. TK, what's your top eight? Are we just doing all of these now, are we? Well, we'll just do top eight and then okay, we'll, fin- we'll finish it off. All right. I've got City, Liverpool. I've, I've kept the top four as it is. I'm going to... I never. If you get start thinking Chelsea are going to shit it's out, they, so know, they, they start making, they start making uh, signings. Chelsea start panicking. I'm going to go Chelsea first still. Spurs fourth, Arsenal fifth. Got West Ham sixth. Got United seventh. And then this is going to link into one of the other segments we're doing. I'm going to have Crystal Palace coming eighth. Yeah. There you go. Steve told me that uh, that West Ham finished mid-table, by the way. So he's not confident. My top eight, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, United, West Ham, and then I couldn't decide. I'm going to go Brighton. Mm. Mm. So I'll let you two go in. Me and TK will finish the job. So you don't want the relegation predictions? Oh, well, I, thought you, I thought you were in a rush. That was all. Well, I thought you were in a rush to I, go. I, I, I wanted to get. I want a fair, fair, fair platform like you gave Connor and no, Sean. You got a fair platform. You could be here for another 25 minutes if you wish. But give me I can give you an predictions. Ex- <laughs> I've gone for Brentford, Leeds, and Forest. Jesus. That's Jack, Bolton. do you want to give me yours? Yeah, I've gone for Fulham, Leeds, and Everton. That would be magic. Alex, top goal scorer? Sun Sun Min. Jack? Gone burning Harland, haven't I? Alex, first Ooh. manager sacked? Thomas Tuchel. Oh. Alex, uh, Jack, sorry. Frank. <laughs> Alex, most improved team? Uh, Newcastle. Jack? 
one for Palace, so I'm on the same wavelength with DK. Okay. Nice. Alex, team that will perform below expectations? Now, I want to say United, but... I'm sure you have to say Chelsea I'd if Tuchel's getting sacked. But, yeah. But but the thing is, it's kind of like I'm basing that on the United fans that think they're going to go and do something big. Like a normal person would see that, like <laughs> expectations are low. Probably, yeah, like I'm predicting them to finish. What I had them as sixth, I think it was. Like you know, that's that. If they do better than that, that's overachievement. But I'll go with I settled on Liverpool in respect of it's a harsh one, but I don't think they're going to give City a decent run for the title at all this season. I think they're going to be off the pace considerably. Jack? Uh, I've gone for Everton because they're getting relegated. <laughs> and finally, Alex, bold prediction? Three or less managers to lose their job during the season. So that's not outside the season, uh, oh, not at the end. That works. Three, three or less managers to lose their jobs during the season. The last time that happened was 2003. Four season. Jack? A Chelsea player will not get over 10 goals in the Premier League this season. Is that bold? <laughs> Is that bold? <laughs> you didn't have that last season, did you? Yeah, I think Havertz got 10 or no, Mount got 12. Havertz got about four. Yeah, Mount got 12. There's only one right. then, so I don't know how bold that is, actually. All right, well. That sounded me, bold, but yeah. Me and TK will uh, finish the job, so. Oprah is telling you you've got to go. Yeah, farewell. Don't give them my regards. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. TK, so we'll go with uh, relegation predictions. If you give me your bottom three. Do we have anything else to discuss? Which we were touching on, by the way. What was that? That relegation that, that was, was the next quite, one. That, oh, that was fairly out of, out of nowhere. No, so, relegation is the next one after our top eight. Did we? Did I have to expand on that top eight at all? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I didn't know if you yeah. were. I didn't know if you were stuck for time like some of these. I'm not agitating. You're all right. No. If so, we're doing it. Yeah, with Man City and Liverpool, I think no one. Uh, Connor was the only one that had a different top two. I think a few people will throw in Spurs as second, you know, because people are high on their transfer window. But. It's. It's for me that it started strong, and then I was kind of expecting them to do a bit more. Because I, it, it, I don't want to take a shot. I think both of your clubs have been a little bit like that, where you started the summer and you thought these two teams being aggressive here, and then it's kind of slowed up. Now you might still both do something more, but it has felt a little bit. Well, it looked mm. for us, didn't it, that we were going to sign Rafinha, Jesus, and Lissandro in the mm. same week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with with Spurs, it was more. It's, I, I do, I do feel ridiculous just saying project and things these days, but it feels to me like there's far less of a rush at Arsenal than there is at Spurs. Like the way Spurs started the summer, and mainly because of Conte's comments, I'm sure it felt like a we've got to get it right this season because we don't know how much longer this guy's going to be there. And so when you get a short-term signing in Perisic, and then you put 60 million on Richarlison and Basuma. Uh, 30 million it's like okay you're basically just reshaping your team mm. yeah and then they haven't quite built on that and i acknowledge you do have to do some balancing of the books which is where the phase of where a lot of teams are now before you go down to the deadline and you basically spend whatever's left but it felt to me that spurs rightly or wrongly didn't care about the books 
for a year. It was close our eyes, we'll look at it next week. So I don't know what moves I thought. I thought they were going to go big on a left centre back, and it seems the options they were looking at Bastoni was the clear one, and then Gvardio just either Bastoni wasn't willing to move, and Gvardio they aren't going to pay the eighty million that it was going to take. Yeah, I guess my point was I think it's been a good window for them, but potentially overstated a little bit. So I don't know how much the needle is going to move for them. I think both of you are basically relying on the negativity we've got kind of surrounding Chelsea at the minute, that it's real and not just, uh, oh, they've had a bit of a, a wobbly pre-season. Well, yeah, I think they I'm... would have to be significantly full for, I think, for Spurs and Arsenal to make significant strides forward. Well, I was going to expand because I thought we were going to be on more doing the uh, top eight. Um, was... Mine is largely on the basis that I do think we're going to spend on at least one more, yeah, if not starting level player, at least a kind of debatable starting level player. And it's hopefully someone to have the debate with Xhaka. Because I think nice. the praise that he's had in turn of his form, I think is more so. And I acknowledge that he has moments that would go against this. I think... As a football player, he's very intelligent in terms of knowing the role that he's supposed to play. And I think he can be very positionally astute if he's told that, look, you need to stay in this space. And you can look at the kind of maps and things of his positioning. And it's almost identical then for every game he plays. We've very clearly been told this is your zone to be in. And he's playing in a role that's further forward than he's ever played in his career. And so I think with that, the way people are saying he's improved is is more so due to that. And so I think if you were to get a player in there that is more mobile and does offer more going forward, I think you're going to see such a huge change. And so it's going to feel like such a huge upgrade in the way that there are Arsenal fans saying that Lacazette, look, you have to look at what he does do. And then you've seen a striker in there that can move and hold the ball up and get in the box to finish it off. Yeah, it just feels like something you've never seen before. And so I think that would be the case if you could get someone in there with Xhaka. Now, Tielemans isn't the mobile guy I've just described, but he's intelligent in a way that he uses his dribbling. um, He knows the right places to be making these moves. And going forward, he just does offer a lot more. He's He's pressing, isn't he? Yeah. It's a fairly, I mean, you know, the same as whatever happens with, Hey, he's better than what you had. Yeah, and so I think you've got better. It's. I question whether within the club they acknowledge that Jack can be upgraded like that because it doesn't feel to be the priority that we all expected it to be. But that's probably my question with yours and Spurs windows. I think you've both had really good windows where you've improved. I don't know if you've solved your biggest problems. I think you've come closer to it because by getting Jesus, then that's probably the first priority. But I do think that midfield. Still needs a resolution. And I think the similar with Spurs midfield. I think that was their biggest one going in. I still don't think they have yet. Well, it's when, when the boards and things speak, you basically, if it's something you want to hear, then you take it face on. And if it's not what you want to hear, then you assume it's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> and so when Edu comes out and he says, I keep hearing about Lucas Paqueta, look, it's a player we like, but that's not a deal that we're pursuing at this stage. I think we've got more than enough bodies in the centre of midfield. It's whether you take that at face value. You're praying it's Luka Mirrors. <laughs> yeah, because Lucas Torreira is obviously off, but 
it's not one that I don't think we were counting on him for this season. We basically let him go on a holiday to Fiorentina in the middle of pre-season, which everyone assumed was for a move, and it wasn't. It was just for him to go and watch a football match. <laughs> so there, there's those kinds. Now, I would look at that midfield, the extra games we're going to be playing, and say, look, we need to be upgrading there because the Europa League isn't the Europa League that it was even three years ago. You saw the quality as it got to the latter stages last season. And yes, the teams weren't as recognisable in the way that it wasn't an Arsenal or United in there. But in the teams that got that far, even so much as West Ham, they were teams that you couldn't go in and you can't play a second string team the whole way through anymore and just wait till you get to the semi-final. And then you finally have to play some decent players. I think from the knockout stages onwards, you're going to be seeing Saka playing two games a week. You're going to be seeing Jesus playing two games a week and so on. And so you are going to need those bodies there because Patino, the guy who's kind of wanted to come through the academy, may look really good in the group stage games, but we saw the level when he came in in the FA Cup and he was playing against Nottingham Forest. And yes, he was partnering Lekonga, but there was just a very clear difference in even just physicality yeah yeah that's tough and so i would hope there's someone going to be brought in i hope it's not someone like Vieira where they say it's one for the future because if we don't get someone that's where myself and others will ask questions this guy may be the next best thing since sliced bread but we're not in a stage where we're planning for the future necessarily we've already got a team of 23 year olds like we may need someone to come in and make a difference now. Um, I guess we can only criticise that at the start of September. Once again, I just hate the fact that the season can end, the season can begin, and the transfer window is still on. It's horrible. We had the, the year where we didn't have it though, and I, I do like this extra bit of jeopardy. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. With with Chelsea, as you say, I didn't feel good doing it. It was more. <laughs> It was more that essentially if I... I was struck by the fact that everybody has them out the top yeah, of that, I think it's because, as you've suggested, the, the level of business Arsenal and Spurs have done. Now, I think ours has been better, and I would say that. But I think it's so similar that essentially if you bump an Arsenal up, you kind of have to bump Spurs up. You can't really put Chelsea in the middle of that. Because I think they've been so alike, is... Yeah, would yeah, be yeah. how how I did it when I was noting it down. It felt wrong to say, oh, well, Arsenal can go as high as third, but Spurs are going to drop a place. Yeah, if you can say that, if you think they've both had really good windows, so therefore moving up, and Chelsea have had a bad one so far, as is the And even with Chelsea then... having a bad one, I've made my thoughts on Koulibaly clear. Probably drama sounded a bit more dramatic. I, I do think this a is a guy... <laughs> what, I think it's a guy where everything we hear about him is like he's this rock solid demon and just now I'm not sitting and watching Serie A every week so I'm judging it largely on Champions League games but I just don't see that guy when when it was Liverpool Napoli now Liverpool are a better side than Napoli but I should have been watching Van Dijk and Koulibaly both at either end of the pitch doing the same thing from the reputation this guy has and I think a lot of it is the legend has kind of been pumped up because they've been so unwilling to sell him one question should be why they're willing to sell him now. Yeah. Because they could have sold him for more money last season. Now, what's happened in this this year? Because you know what that Deloronitis is like. He's not doing it because Koulibaly is a lovely guy and I need to give him this opportunity to go and play in the Premier League. It doesn't work like that with him. No. 
No. You look at someone like Mertens, who's still at the club at 32 years old. This is them saying this is our last chance to get some money for him. And they clearly had this um, guy lined up from uh, the Turkish league, and he's come in because they got done for making the Squid Game TikToks. If you saw that, yeah, that's very mad. In in fairness, they probably felt like the door had been opened up when he did Gangnam Style as his initiation song. <laughs> yeah, which was great. Um, <laughs> But I think they saw that we can upgrade now, and if it's a if it's a decline, then it's not going to be the same decline that it would have been previously. Um, and I, I know I've said that he'll probably go on and smash it for Chelsea. But I think you're right to say he's been hyped up too much in general. It was like you said, it was they've been talked about like it's uh, Arthur Van Dijk, it's him, he's the guy. Yeah, and I'm not sure he's that guy, but I do think he's going to be pretty good. I think. Jazz can look after a center half. I think if they're playing for recovery, it, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll do really well there. I think probably will look like a beast at times. Um, and I, I know as much as there's a fee, I think he's 31. If they get three years out of him, I think it's money well spent. So I actually I disagreed somewhat with what you said. I think he'll be he'll be good, but other areas of their team, I do think, are a bit of a concern. But again, I guess you've you've kind of with your predictions for Arsenal are going to get another one in. I just don't yeah, believe Chelsea will allow this to slide and no, get someone in. Well, we've seen today they've literally gone from, we're quite interested in Kukurelia to, we're about three million apart in our valuations and we've agreed <laughs> personal terms. So it, it seems to me, it, it was being sold, wasn't it, that Kukurelia only wants Man City. And it seems more now that he wants a bigger move, which is fair enough. But And even at City, he was going to be a backup to Cancelo. So he's going to be a, He's got more chance of taking over Chilwell, I'd say. Yeah, but probably. I, I can, I can probably. see it. And it shouldn't, I, I imagine Chelsea are paying more as well. And the money on personal terms does always go a, a fair way. Well, his shoes as well. It looks like the City deal won't happen. So you're probably left with the choice of do you stay at Brighton do you get to Chelsea? Almost everyone will get to Chelsea, won't they? Yeah. Um, any chance we're being too harsh on United? Is there any worry that, look, all it took was a new manager. We're going to look at them as a different force this season. No, if, if anything, I think we've been too soft on them. I felt better after seeing like, this awful United page that Connor always goes on about. You probably see it if them shared on the timeline. It's like Muppeteers or Muppets. or it's, I think it's Muppeteers. I think I know what you mean, yeah. Just the worst <laughs> shite on Twitter. The, the type where... Like they'll be linked in the athletic and they'll go, Yes, you know, I did hear about this three days ago and I just shut up. You don't have these sources. You're some American <laughs> bloke in front of his webcam and somehow you got several hundred thousand followers just talking nonsense. And him saying, Oh, look, I was excited about the season before, but I think this could be our starting lineup uh, against Brighton. I'm even more excited now. It was shit. It was like McTominay might not be fit enough to start, but I imagine he'll come in. Is that. We should be worried, should we? McTominay Martial, Rashford, Sancho front three. Now, I do think Rashford's going to cook this season, but how much he's going to cook? A Bruno, Eriksson, Fred midfield three just screams like that is going to be horrible. Disaster. It's a disaster. They're playing Brighton at the right time because they're not going to have the Cucurella money yet, and so they won't have the replacement in. But even still... uh, 
Lindelof and Maguire as the likely starters. I think we've seen this before. Varane, I think the guy... I don't like Harry Maguire. All of the energy directed at Harry Maguire should be directed times two at Varane because at least Maguire's out there trying to make it right. Varane, the amount he gets away with is horrible. And it, it's all it's done is improve the way Sergio Ramos is looked at within the world of football. But Christ, that guy's been a disaster since coming to England. And he's one of the highest paid... I think he is the highest paid defender in the league. So... Let's start giving that guy some stick. Yeah, if you consider how he was being viewed coming into, you know, when we were doing this pod last year. Yeah. Then he's nowhere near met those expectations. Now, I know some of that is fitness, but that is also part of it, is staying fit or whatever. And they knew he had some injuries coming into signing him. So another bad look for the club, potentially. How much should we be looking at West Ham? They brought in Skamaka. I don't know if he'll be fit for the start of the season that Aguered has had to have some surgery, but it's not believed to keep him out for long. Flynn Downs, I saw he's a West Ham fan. That's all I know about him. Maybe that's just a replacement for Noble. <laughs> Ariola's come in for eight and a half million. Like, that's about 80 million there. And they've only brought in, well, they brought in nothing in sales. Yeah. I think they've I think- let Masuaku go today as well. So it looks like maybe they are going to okay. get Kostic over the line, but... For all that's said about them not investing, they, they seem to have put their put their hands in their pockets this summer. Yeah, look, I think I, I had them finishing sixth. I think they're a better team than United. Um, I think they should have finished there last year and yeah. obviously let United back in the back door. Um, Conference think, League gives me some hesitation. Yeah, agree. But um, obviously they showed they could deal with the Europa last year. I know potentially... Yeah. Yes, and, and also United... Arsenal, we're going to be competing on Thursdays as well. Yes, yeah, it's they're all involved. So, and I do think, in my mind, this is with Skamaka coming in and being a decent sign, or at the very least, it takes some of the load off Antonio, which is good news. Um, and Kostic coming in, in my mind as well. I didn't know for sure that uh, Breuer was uh, definitely staying at Chelsea either in my mind. So I thought I didn't know that was a lingering possibility. So, yeah, I, I do think West Ham already. I think I'd have given the edge over United anyway. And I think with those signings, I do. Again, maybe I'm also being unfair in that if I'm saying I think Chelsea will still get a bit of business done, maybe United still will. Yeah, I think they will. Um, well, you'd assume that if they don't get De Jong, they get someone instead of that. I assume through sheer desperation of Barca wanting rid of De Jong, he has to go. On, um, yeah, especially now the, um, it's believed they can get Bernardo with the money. That's insane. So... So, yeah, so, you know, there's still obviously time for United to reverse. And I do think Tan Hag is a good coach who will get them. You will have at least an idea of what United are trying to do, which we've basically yeah. lacked for a while. Um, I just don't know if that's enough. And I think West Ham are a little bit better than them. Having said that, now you said, now said Steven said they're going to come mid-table. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking my confidence has just been eroded. On on the one hand, you can look at Skamaka. He was linked as probably the second choice for Arsenal. Uh, he was linked with PSG. He was linked with Chelsea. He was linked with uh, a whole host of the top teams, a team that teams that are probably a level above West Ham in the least disrespectful way possible, but even just on name brand. And so on the one hand, you say, look, the fact that West Ham have got him when he was on the radar of all of these clubs shows that he's clearly a good player. On the other hand, you could say, 
these clubs weren't willing to pay 32 million that it's taken West Ham to get him. If I had to position him at one club in the league, I wouldn't have wanted him at United because at least on paper, they do have good wingers. And so just to very, really oversimplify things, good wingers, big guy in the box. <laughs> it yeah. should be a good match. Outside of that, West Ham's probably on paper the best fit. But even then, he's not just a box striker. His his goal compilations, the way he strikes a ball from outside the area is freakish. No, he's definitely got a thing on him. He, yeah, from, I've, again, I've only seen little bits of it. I think he does look like he could, when you, he was getting linked with those sort of bigger clubs, quote unquote, I thought he looks like he could be a good pickup for someone. The fact that he's kind of, again, not being rude to West Ham, falling a little bit yeah. to them. I think that's, I think that's good business for West Ham. I think that's the sort of market they've got to be looking in where, yeah, if the clubs are linked with someone but not fully committing, then go on, take a chance on him because it's not, it's, it's big money, it's not stupid money. So yeah. he, and let's face it, whoever they could, they had to get someone in up top. And so he, of the ones they would be in link with, I think he fits the bill for what they need the best on paper. Just because of how he looks aesthetically, I've got to imagine his inevitable fail compilations are going to look as bad, if not worse than Darwin's. But I also have no doubt in my mind that he's going to get them at least 10 Premier League goals. And Moyes doesn't mind a some unfashionable striker either. It's kind of, he's used to working with that, so... If it yeah. is looking a bit awkward and a bit clunky, Moyes knows how to work with that. It's fine. And it, it's also not... Say he came to us. It's not bringing off Jesus and putting on Skamaka. It, it's very much no, no, no. the same style of forward because he's not a big, slow, heavy... The guy's agile. The guy can get across the yeah, pitch. for a guy of that size. It's... Now, whether physically he breaks down a bit in the league I don't know I'm sure just the size of him is going to cause defenders to try and rough him up a bit but it's on him to impose himself and we'll see how he adjusts I certainly have them in the top eight um West Ham I I, I I can't see them going any lower than that because in eighth I did have the three options of Newcastle Brighton Wolves Wolves I think are the most likely to drop away from that yeah and I actually wouldn't be surprised if they parted with their manager at some point. It just feels like the kind of thing they do. Brighton, <laughs> any other club that loses their two best players in the same window, you should be worried about. But they're just such a well-run, well-oiled machine that I'm sure they've got six options lined up for half the price that they can invest in immediately. And I trust Graham Potter to make it work. Yeah, it's testing him again, isn't it? Um because like you said, they're losing good players. Um, yeah. I think he's good enough that they'll manage it, but I think they'll go on, as they've done before, a couple of runs where they don't get a win. And I think that'll see them enough of, I think, a decent bit away from the top yeah. eight, actually, this year for me. I-, I saw it being asked how Graham Potter was going to cope with perhaps not being the English darling anymore with uh, Steve Cooper coming in. Because that guy can charm the media. <laughs> yeah. And then New- Newcastle, I was surprised anyone had them higher than eighth, to be honest. Um, mm. A lot of people seem to have forgotten this was a side battling relegation for most part, for most parts of last season. Now, Botman looks a good signing. 
outside of that, they've not been able to get really the business done that they were at least linked with. Uh, Nick Pope, good signing. I'm not sure he gets you two places up the table as much as he's better than Dubravka, and I wouldn't argue that for a second. I guess I thought they'd get... <laughs> when your brother to... posted that the other day, I found it incredible that someone actually... See, there was people so, replying. Saying, yeah, and just, that's what yeah. I mean. Disputing it. I was I baffled by that. I, I thought they'd get another Botman type in the highly touted guy across Europe who is yeah, just before agreed. that breakout. And they may well or still Bruno do it. Gimera, I think that's sure. what they were trying to get with Ekatike, who's mm. since gone to PSG, so you can't argue too much. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. I've been saying to Harry... I don't really get the fascination with Paqueta because midfield is probably their most stocked area. But Shelby's now out for between a month, from one to three months, so maybe they'll do something there. But I still, they need they need either either a winger or a striker. They've clearly been given indications that Madison is attainable. Yeah. But if they think they can approach it in the same way where they're doing these heavily structured deals where we'll give you like 12 million up front and then we'll pay you 50 million over the next four years, you can do that abroad. Lesser a lot of these teams, are, Yeah, well, a lot of these teams abroad are either need the money or that's the kind of deals they get from one of their rivals anyway. Leicester aren't going to allow that at all. I think they're prepared to lose Tielemans and I think they're probably quite surprised that hasn't happened yet. Fafana and Barnes are the two they really don't want to lose. And Madison's probably in that pocket between where they were clearly entertaining selling him before to us. But they put an 80 million price tag on him there. And fair enough, a year's off his deal. But he just hit 20 goals and assists last season. Yeah, it seems like the back end of last year, he started to hit that form. It looks like, from what I've seen, he's looking sharp in pre-season as well. So, Rogers he, said 40 million is probably enough to buy three quarters of his left leg. <laughs> it's a good line as well, because you wonder if there is still lingering problems with Rogers and Madison, which potentially might lead into Leicester's willingness to sell him. But of All course, of the talk says they'll Rogers sell him for 60. Rogers' his position doesn't feel that solid anyway. No. So you wonder, is, does the cl- is the club happy to lose Madison or is it the manager? And if so, is that... I can I know. get it? Feel odd. Can I get your relegate? Sorry. So I was about just to finish on that. I thought Newcastle would probably be the go-to pick for um, for eighth. I thought that would be what most people do from sort of canvassing opinion. It seems to be that they'll be the team in eighth. Which... Uh, yeah, I, there's not an obvious pick. I don't think. Um, I don't trust Eddie Howe like that. Um, but no, no. Yeah, you know, it'll be. I hope they do. Um, as long as they aren't above us, then <laughs> yeah. You'll like it as long as they're just there. Um, Who do you have as your bottom three? My bottom three, I've got, I feel pretty confident in Fulham and Bournemouth being in there. And I've got bottom two. Yeah, yeah. Who's Um, bottom? I'm going to say Bournemouth. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty set on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be the Norwich of the year. If you questioned that City were, what, eight to 15 to win the league or something like that? Bournemouth, Bournemouth are four to seven to go down. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, And who's your third? So got those two, and I'm going to have Leeds. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't think you can. 
I know they've done some business with with the money they've got. But I'm not sure you can lose your best players in the way that they've done and take a chance on the players they're signing. They, they could they could work out, but uh, it looks to me like the proven products have been gotten rid of and they're taking the chance, which we've tended to see doesn't work. What uh, I feel for that Marsh. I think he's a good coach, but he's in a tough spot. I've got Everton in there, and that's not an uncommon pick. And for me, it largely depends on how soon they sack Frank. I really do think that's what it's going to depend on. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if Leeds got itchy feet at some point and uh, and they sack Marsh, mm-hmm. regardless of whether I think that's the right move or not, because he very much seems like a manager that you need to let build a squad. And so he'd probably be suited for the championship as well if they were to go down. Um if we look at the, the the three that we've each said, Bournemouth, look, when when you've come up, I'm not saying that you need to go out and spend 200 million, but they've brought in Marcus Tavernier, Joe Rothwell and Ryan Fredericks. Yeah, that's... That, that feels insulting to the rest of the league at this point. That, that almost feels like rather than ever accepting your fate, doesn't it? Yeah, you've got your, your little stadium that you give about 500 tickets to the away team to, <laughs> and it's like you're just in here for the fun of it at this point, just to say, well, look, Poor us. Look, we know how much money you get from coming up. We know how much money you get from going down. I'm not saying go mental, but you should have a better crack at it than that. Especially with the loan market the way it is now. You look at the the amount yes. of players that are at least just on the outskirts of these big teams. When Forrest can get Lingard and even just some of the other players they've brought in from uh, League One, you can do enough business there and it just speaks of poor preparation that they aren't able to do more than that because it feels like they haven't cast their net very far. Because Fulham, Fulham have brought in Palinia from Sporting, which looks to be a nice pickup, as does Mbabu. We think that they're just going to live or die by Mitrovic. Yeah, this this is it for it, isn't it? I guess people are saying they don't think he can do it in the Prem, but they think... It is weird, though, because we've seen people be good in the Championship but not able to cut it in the Prem. We've never seen someone be that good in the Championship and not be able to cut it in the Prem. So this is the last chance to for him. I think he'll be better. Um, yeah. You, if this wasn't full attached to it, I actually think this would be a promoted team that people would tip in to do okay. Yeah. It's because we've seen them come and do this so many times and buy players. And you think, oh, that looks like a nice pickup. Well, they've got Leno coming in for £8 million as well. Okay, maybe they are accepting their fate, maybe then. I, the, think, uh, I think Leno is, is a more than good enough keeper for this level. I think that's an okay yeah, keeper for that level in fairness, isn't it? Um, yeah, they've taken it again. They've taken a chance with some of the players they've signed. It's just, and again, I think Marcus Silva feels like just an inevitable sacking, doesn't it? Just a yeah, case of yeah. when. Um, so essentially at Fulham, you've just got several, we've seen this before, we've seen Mitrovic not be able to cut it, we've seen Marcus Silva not be able to cut it, and we've seen them sign players who haven't cut it. One of those things might change this time. I'm not sure if all three of them can. I think their signings feel a lot more considered this time around. They feel a lot less scattergun. It feels a lot less spending money for the sake of it. Um, And I I think it looks like they had a plan and more or less they're they're getting that. They've got four offers in for centre-backs at the moment. Okay. One of them is Malang Saar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The the, other, oh. the thing is, if they if they if they can get some of these in and gel them, then Fulham could get out of this. And you know, I, 
my not having Everton here is a little bit as you've touched on, but I'm just assuming that as soon as it goes wrong, Frank, Frank is getting binned and they're going to get someone in that will just about carry them in my mind. But, you know, on, on the, the points I've made, I guess, if you get rid of your best player in Richarlison and at the minute haven't really done an awful lot to replace him, it's hard to argue with them being in there, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it, it's a Diop from West Ham is one of the other centre-backs they've had a bid in for. As much as we joked about uh, United signing Diop at that time when they were linked with him for huge money, yeah. I still think he's an alright centre-back. I don't think he's a disaster. I'd take so. him over Saar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. For Fulham, I think he would... Of the players available to them, he'd probably make some level of sense. you think, I'll take a chance on a player like that? Yeah. I mean, Everton, they've got James Tarkovsky on a free, Dwight McNeil for 20 million, which I don't know if just enough people have gone. He's a decent player, isn't he? Because he was being booed by Burnley fans last season. <laughs> Bloody hell. Got one goal, I think it was, last season. So he's, his, his goal tally over the last two years is level with Allison. Ruben Vinagre on loan was at. Wolves last season as a left wing back. They've lost Richarlison, finally got rid of Cenk Tossin. Gilfie's contract <laughs> expired, Delft's contract expired. Um, Idrissa Gay has a medical there today, and that's going to be a permanent move from PSG. Okay. I feel like Everton's financial situation, you don't take a 32-year-old permanently. And I... I've got reason to believe that PSG were going to accept a loan if you just paid his wages there. I've got to think they would. Um, and they're in talks with Batshuayi. I mean, that is, that's a staggering move. <laughs> because yeah. from all we've said about Richarlison, yes, you'll be banking on Calvert-Lewin having a better season next year. But what are they playing two up top? Are they playing Batshuayi and Calvert Lewin up top? Like Ugh. I don't see those. I don't see those goals, or even just what he offered outside of the goals being replaced. Because that's that's three strikers then on the books, and it's Calvert Lewin, Batshuayi, and Rondon. Fuck me, that is one of the worst <laughs> three in the league, and I like Calvert Lewin. Yeah, and if you're a team that doesn't hasn't created much and on, on base what we've seen last year didn't create a lot it's probably going to have their bats to the wall a lot you're going to need a striker that's going to get you out of trouble Murray Gray had a good few months and then was injured yeah and the the thing with Calvert-Lewin we've got one until he hit that sort of run of form we looked at him and thought well he's going to be a workhorse but maybe might not be prolific then he did hit a run where he started scoring goals and then he obviously last year he's basically been injured for almost all of it on and off we can't just have this guarantee that oh. he's going to be fully fit and then he's going to be confident of firing in a team that potentially might be, you know, might have already lost a few games. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? I, yeah, they're, they're in a tricky spot. I'll be honest, I've probably not put them in my bottom three on the basis that I think Fulham and Bournemouth be that weak. Yeah. Um, and I feel like me putting in my bottom three might jinx them into being quite good so if I don't put yeah. them hopefully they can be abysmal well let's none of us I don't think had Forrest in our bottom three AJ did okay um I think Steve Cooper narrowly avoids it and this does feel like everyone's tipping them to do well so perhaps they won't I think they'll be in the conversation alongside Southampton and Brentford actually 
Um, they brought in Dean Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Omar Richard has come in from from uh, Bayern, uh, Julian Bianconi, uh, Moussini Akita, Oral Mangala, Nico Williams, and Taiwo Awanyi. Now, I can't profess to have watched all of those players. Nope. Dean Henderson, not a bad pick for a bottom three team. Lingard, I think if you can have him playing freely enough, that'll be a nice pickup. And they have come out to say, look, some of the reported fees we're paying are completely wrong, which does, uh, I can't see them paying him 200 grand a week. Um, I would assume not. Omar Richards from Bayern. These all look like signings where even just the age profile, if they, if the worst does happen, you're getting significant resale value on there. You're not stuck with some 29-year-old that you bought on the basis that he has some experience he's going to get you. <laughs> like Lingard's yeah. on a one-year deal. Yeah, you, you're the only concern to me before is that, yeah, everybody seems to be, of the of the promoted team, seems to be the most confident in them, which always yeah. makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, they, they lost like three or four players who whose contracts expired or they were on loan and several of those were in their starting lineup. So they did have to go out and make some moves. I saw them mm. getting stick on to those gutter stations like TalkSport and it's like, you can't go in on Norwich for not trying and then go in yeah. on a team that's spending to try and do it. Like we've that's got exactly to... It. And it, it's not spending where we're looking at it and it may be because we don't know the players as well, but I've at least heard of several of them and it's not like you're looking at them going... This is bad here. They all look like considered signings. They've strengthened all areas of their team. They've worked the loan market. It looks like they've basically looked at what's the best available we can do and let's go for it because we've taken this long to get back here. We don't want to roll over. Yeah, the thing is, this might not work, but they've at least showed the ambition, haven't they? Yeah. So I think think they've they've at least gone for it. Um, And I think, as most people do, I think Steve Cooper is a good coach, so that should help them as well. Um, yeah, he gave me the vibes where I hadn't really paid attention to him before this season, I'll be honest there. But he gave me the feel just from hearing him speak and everything around him as Graham Potter did when they came up against us in the Europa League meeting of Ostersons. And just the way he had a team playing that shouldn't have been competing on the same level and just the way he conducted himself in and around that, everything just screamed like this is the kind of guy that you want running a club like this. He doesn't look like he's overawed by the occasion. He sounded, because he'd only just come in when they were playing us in uh, January, he sounded like he wasn't overawed by it. He respected what he was doing. Basically everything you would pick as a tick for your team, he had all of that. And I was really impressed. And he has he feels like someone that a lot of us are going to be hoping does well. And I don't like Nottingham for reasons I won't mention on the pod and Cole Froch. <laughs> so <laughs> it does feel quite dirty saying that, but I, I respect the ambition El- elsewhere. I guess the other thing you yeah. said about, um, you don't, you're always worried when everyone tips up, uh, one of the promoted teams. It did also happen that the only team that was tipped um, from last year's batch was Brentford. And yeah. that did work out pretty well. So yeah. it's not uh, always. It looks to me like Southampton have taken, not a risk, but they're almost embracing where they are and trying to build more gradually. I think you can look at a team like Brighton, you can look at a team like Brentford and really admire the approach they take where 
you sell the players you need to sell and you reinvest and you reinvest and you buy these low range guys and you just hope that they secure you either money in the future or they just get you to where you are and you can prove that you're a team that's worth staying at keeping a hold of james ward prowse only time will tell whether they should have taken the money but i don't mm. think the money that was offered was enough to really turn them around no joe Aribo from rangers looks a really nice pickup for the money um armel bella Kotchap. now this is someone i've only really seen because of football manager but everything around him says look this guy has the potential to be great but he does still make too many mistakes yeah they'll hope they can coach that out of him um romeo lavia from city this is a guy that they were talking up to be playing first team minutes this season as a backup and then they went and bought calvin phillips instead it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gets and how impressive he can be because that is the thing with City, isn't it? Just because you can't break in there doesn't mean you can't go and play elsewhere. And I guess Sancho is probably the best recent case study of that. Bazunu, I, I know nothing about him as like a third keeper. And they brought in Sakumara at centre forward. He got seven in 34 for Bordeaux. He was mentioned in this uh, scouted football booklet that I used to get once every few months when he was their youngest ever goal scorer back in 2020 or 2021 Mm. he got 7 in 34 for Bordeaux last season which from what I read he fits the mould of well look he does more than just put it in the back of the net (laughs) it does feel to me like Southampton have a couple of those strikers in like Adam Armstrong Shea Adams yeah just let poor Shane Long go yeah, guy. they've lost uh, Broger, who I think for a time they were quite confident they'd be able to get permanently. Mm, agreed. I'll oh. be honest, if they, if I hadn't put them in my bottom three last year, I think I might have been tempted to do it this year. I'm a bit worried for it. It feels like it's going to happen at some stage, and so that's why I think they're trying to do it the right way so they don't ruin the club, to be honest, but I don't know. I mean, we're going to come on to first manager sacks. I th- yeah. I think Ralph might be that and guy. Then we'll be questioning, why didn't you Why didn't you get out when things were going well? And we said when the this, game was we? good. Yeah. yeah. Skulls were saying he should have come into United after they beat him. <laughs> well, I, I think I said last year, Ralph's stock is like fucking Bitcoin in terms yeah. of yeah. he's literally getting linked with Man United Arsenal one minute to... They can't win a game for love nor money. Yeah, I was saying he's going to be sat by Southampton. I think he's really good. I think he's got limitations with what he's working with, and I, I would like to see him with a with a different team. I but, could uh, see him at Spurs. Like I can see that meshing. Mm. Maybe it's just because Pochettino came from there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. obviously, you've got Conte there, so it's hard to downplay him in that way at the moment. Brentford were the other one that I had in the conversation, and it'll be interesting to see how they cope without Ericsson. They brought in this keen Lewis Potter, who I don't know how much championship football you watch, but they've been trying to get him for about three windows now. Plays yeah, on the left wing. Um, I've only really heard via those links that, uh, yeah. that people have ended up talking him up. But I, again, I couldn't tell you week in, week out how good he is. We've we all heard good things about Aaron Hickey. Uh, and again, I'm basing this on one game. I was a bit shocked at how how much of a work in progress he looked in the game against Ukraine they had in the playoff 
yeah. he didn't look to me like a guy who was going to be coming in and playing regular minutes in, I guess, the amount that I'd be expecting Zinchenko to play this season. Um, and especially interesting is outside of Ericsson and Tony, probably the guy that was being spoken about most last season was Rico Henry. Like, you had um, Thomas Frank saying, I don't know why he's not getting England shouts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are right. They, they they could be in a bit of trouble. They did end up relying on some creativity from Ericsson in the second half of last year. Obviously, they don't have that anymore. They also... Second season syndrome's got other teams. Is, does it dry up a bit for Tony and Buemo? I guess you're banking on Thomas Frank. But they also brought in um, Thomas Dracosia on a free who was linked with a lot of top clubs. Now, David Raya is also another one who you figured to be a first name on the team sheet, but he he's a guy who I can say, I can say this now he's not joining us. He's got a mistake in him. <laughs> and he was the guy we went for before Ramsdale, who I guess also has a mistake in him to be fair. Mm. Um, but maybe they see that as an upgrade. Um, I'm not too sure. At least some competition. Ben me on a free. That's not a bad pickup for them. Feels very unbrentford like to be honest. Um, and they've kept hold of Tony, which is the other one that we're probably surprised about. I was sure United were going to come in there when they couldn't get their other targets. You reckon? Yeah, that would be a... Not now, a, but I thought they would. It'd be a tricky one for them, wouldn't it? Because they'd have to cough up probably decent money for him. And he's a... I like Tony, but he's a workman-like player. Yeah. And I think United consider themselves above that. Even when they're not. <laughs> All of his little clips for the last six months at <laughs> Brentford. Which, yeah. <laughs> look, to be to be fair, I think if you put a decent bird in front of a lot of top Premier League strikers and you told them to say fuck their team, I think we'd probably be disappointed at the amount that would say it. So maybe let's not hold it against him too much. I've said it before, Sean, with minimal pressure when we were abroad, <laughs> a group of lads started singing. They were Arsenal fans, like, fuck Tottenham and all that. He was getting involved, and there was no pressure on him. He was chanting Liverpool songs just... <laughs> after they just lost the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah. Aaron so... Ramsey's just joined Nice, by the way. What are they doing at Nice? Weird one. Um, there we go. Um, anyone else you've put in that conversation before we move on? I'm conscious of, I don't know how much time of yours I'm taking here but I do appreciate you uh, clinging on as always whoever's still yeah. persistent we're listening fair play to <laughs> as well um, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll skip some of the earlier parts <laughs> yeah I think I think we've covered the main Rosen Riders for relegation aren't we for sure who's your top scorer uh, not even as a as a way of saying this I think it probably is between Haaland and Salah and I'm going to go with Haaland I think okay. there's going to be some empty calories in there if I'm honest I think they're going to spank a couple of teams and he's going to end up yeah, just basically devouring them and I think that's probably going to be the difference. He's going to... It's all that with Jesus last season, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be Prescottian with some of his numbers, I believe. Some I, of them are going to be. I've got Harry Kane and it's... I wonder how Salah's numbers will be playing with a clear striker. I wonder if there's a pressure at least internally to get Nunes amongst yeah. the goals, um, yeah. which can always happen. Uh, I also I think also, it will be a bit sort of clunky trying to make him work initially, which will affect Salah in some way. I think he's just that good that he will score enough goals to even out. But I think there will be a team period and that will probably take off his numbers just a little bit. And in the meantime, I think Haaland will score fairly routinely. 
yeah, what I meant earlier when I said about him having more freedom is whether there was this rivalry between him and Mane, which we know there was, but there was also the respect as well. He saw him, if not as an equal, as as close to. Mm. So I think he was very comfortable foregoing certain situations to allow Mane to to do the work. It may be that he doesn't trust Nunes, Jota. I think he yeah. does trust Firmino. And whether that impacts him in not quite hero ball, but something close to that. Until I, I think he's too good of a player to allow that to keep going. But until the trust is earned, maybe he'll start off like that. So I, I think That's a fair Kane, point. Yeah. yeah, I think Haaland may take some time to bed in. Um, and I wonder how much he'll be rotated just to ensure that he's fit for the Champions League. So I, I think Harry Kane will uh, will pick up his whatever golden boot. I think he needs 26 more goals to overtake Rooney in the scoring charts. So nice. He may hope to get that done this season. I don't think he will, but that's what he'll probably aim for, though. Yeah, we haven't had the, uh, a 30 goal season for a while from anyone, have we? No, I I attempted to go with Kane, and I thought, and this hasn't really been discussed by contrast to the money and salary issue. I think Kane must look at Sun picking up a golden boot and going, "Well, hang on, I'm the main guy here." I'm gonna I'm gonna be scoring the goals, and I think this year yeah. potentially could be a well. Look, I I know I can create, but I'm scoring goals as well. Here. So I think there could be a bit of a reminder of that. I think Conte may have a word as well. Like, I appreciate what you're doing in this regard, but let's let's not go too far into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just also factored in the fact that he probably does get injured at some point this year. Yeah, yeah. Like in Big Daddy, we wasted the good surprise on you. Maybe you wasted a fit season on having a shit half a season <laughs> to start <laughs> off with. Get it done with being injured. Um, who's your first manager sacked? So I think Brendan will be the first manager gone. Okay, I okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's no, yeah, yeah, no, I'd include that. Um, I think he'll be the first one gone. If, uh, the Fulham manager is always on the hot seat, so potentially, but. Um, I do think I do think Ralph. I think they'll okay. get off to a bad start, and I think Ralph will be the first one properly sacked. I've gone Scott Parker. You don't reckon they'll try and stick with him? They feel like the club that might. I or do you think I, it'll just be that bad? I think it'll be that bad, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and especially if there's a number of teams that are bad too, you sometimes jump to you jump early because it's we're within touching distance at this point. You don't want to try and get someone in, at least someone credible in, where it's already too far gone. So it was I between mean, him and Marco Silva for me. Marco Silva felt like it just as easy a pick, but yeah. I then looked at their signings compared to Bournemouth and thought, mm. I think I was trying to go a little bit outside pick with the Brendan and Russell. Oh, I like the it. They're, they're uh, Fulham and Bournemouth. We both got them, I think, comfortably bottom yeah. two, haven't we? So yeah. they're probably fair. The um, In start contrast to Alex's bold prediction, which I guess in my mind is even bolder than uh, he suggested, I actually think we're going to have a lot of managerial sackers. I think a lot of people on the hot seat yeah, if like you look it. at these clubs. Um, I would be uh, very surprised if, if a lot of these are still in jobs towards the bottom of that, that table. Because it, it, it feels horrible. I do have a real guilty pleasure for the photo of a manager while sacked in the mornings being sunk. Just that <laughs> moment where like, they know. <laughs> other than when it was Nuno because I was like no I do actually really want you to stay <laughs> it is only in like the cold light of day and I sit back and look at this like 
We literally celebrate your man losing his job. This is mad. <laughs> Thousands of people are just shouting at you that you're being laid off. Just Ramsdale said his football league debut, he basically chucked the ball in his own net. It was one of them. And then it happened again in the same game. And he said it's only a tiny stadium, but obviously when everyone's chanting... And he said the whole stadium was chanting, all your fault, this is all your fault. Oh, no. <laughs> at him on his debut. And he said what he feels is the turning point in his career and why he seems to play better. And it is a thing, he plays better when he's fired up. Um, he knew a lad that was on the team that they were going to be playing the following week. And he said they were watching clips of it on the bus and taking the piss. Like, I can't believe we get to play against this keeper. And he said he went out and I think he kept a clean sheet then. And so it can be brutal. It's, it feels extra brutal with keepers, to be, to be honest, because they can't just go and sit on the bench. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you've ever had to like fill in in goal in like a five-a-side or something and you make a mistake, I, I feel like a mug there. I had to so, play goalkeeper in our house football the one year for the one for one game. It was like, I'll do it, but I'll do it for one game. And every time someone was remotely coming through on goal, it's off oh, for fuck's sake. This is <laughs> Especially when, if it's like top bins, it's all right. If it's a low one that you're like, you're going to clear with your foot or whatever, not good. The type where it's like, I could dive. I don't have a dive in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, most improved team for you? I guess on the, the team I put in now, I've got to go with Palace. Okay. I think I, I put them eighth. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think they can have a run. I think I, I like um, the signing of um, oh, his name's Jack Decore. Yes, Decore. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think they already had some players at that team, and I think Vieira with a little bit more time with them, I think the trajectory is upwards. So he was a popular I'm, pick to be sat first last season. I think there was a feeling of a big risk, wasn't it? But obviously, the well, nature they, of the they, risk they is if it's hard by three or four before they even turn to him. I mean, there was a feeling that they should have got Frank for this, well, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, so, yeah. The um, yeah, I, I think he's he's shown he's a he's a decent enough manager with a as a direction how they play, and they got a lot of fun players. They got a lot of fun. Zaha, Eze, and Elise is yeah. any team. It's great fun. Um, Did you see the clips of Eze um, during their media day? It's um, it's them all trying to do it seriously, and he gets. Uh, Elise, he says, do your celebration. And it's like holding up a gun. And he's just cracking up. He's going, we got a gangster here. we got a gangster here. Um, I think when you actually look back at the way the news was reported with Frank at Palace, I think at the time it was felt that he decided he was too good for Palace. The reports, when you look back, are very much of them saying, we appreciate you coming in, but we're actually looking in another direction. Um, so I think they made the right choice. Image being protected in the media, that's shocking. Oh. I've gone for Villa. Now, with what you your predictions, it actually matches the same metric, and I, I did it just quite literally positionally. They finished 14th last season. Hmm. Um, Diego Carlos, who I'm, I'm still not sold on, but him, Coutinho permanent, Kamara coming in on a free, I think it's more feasible that they break into the top 10 and Palace get eighth, or Newcastle get seventh, or Wolves get sixth. Um, in fact, as much as I can just as easily see them being relegated, I actually think it's more likely that Leeds could get as high as 13th 
than some of the others get as high as they would need to to match the four places minimum that I expect Villa to go up. That's true. So I've gone for that. But this is crunch time for Gerard in the same way this is crunch time for Arteta this season. Because there's no way that Villa should be paying the money or the wages for Coutinho that they are, whether he's taken a pay cut or not. They're, they very clearly back the manager. They're doing great things with their academy to the point where I think they feel comfortable enough that they could let Gerard go and they could get someone in to continue what he's doing. Now, I don't think they want to do that, but I don't think they need Gerard as much as we may think they do. I think they're rich owners. Structurally, everything's well in place. They're a big enough club that they can attract managers. So I think this is a big one for him. And I do think everything he puts out there, I can buy into from the outside. And so I think when someone like Kamara has come to join them, who will never know the extent of the offers they had on the table, but I've got to think he had at least an equivalent of a villa there. Oh, I I think you have to assume that, don't you? And so... Gerard and the work he's done there, I think he could be building his team. And if I'm giving Arteta enough time to say it's not quite his team yet, then I have to allow that for Gerard. And so he's made some big decisions. He's taken the captaincy off Mings, which suggests he's bombed him out of the team. I'm still not sure Carlos is going to be the answer, but they're backing his. I mean, I hope they don't do that well because I can't stand McGinn that much. <laughs> But I, I think they at least get 10th, and so that would put them there. Which team do you think will perform below expectations? So, considering everything you've just said, <laughs> have a guess what I've got for the what? next two segments. Because I'll be honest, I I can just as easily see this going horribly for Villa. Yeah. I so think there's I'm... enough pieces there that I can look at it, but I, I take what you're saying. I was struck by um, we basically until you touched on then we haven't mentioned the all thing have we? So no. that is including in any talk of getting to the top eight and including anything for could they end up relegation? You would assume not. I think Villa will. I think we've seen with Gerard when they're good, they look really really good. You can see exactly what he's doing, but when they did hit that run of bad results, it was pretty quickly after he initially got appointed. Actually, it did look like oh god, they've, they're on a bit of a slide here. And I think they're going to have, at some point in this season, a slide where you think he doesn't have an answer here. And That's if you want my bold, changing the captain. My, my bold prediction is that, as you said, I don't think they want to sack him. I think they've really invested in him. I think they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle at some point, yeah. and he'll get binned. And they're good enough that they'll pull away. And, and if you look at some of those teams around that spot, yeah, th- they're so much better than them. They will end up probably looking at the season thinking, no, they're nowhere near it. But I think it will, at one point in the season, it will look real and the owners will panic and get rid of them, I think. Yeah, my thing with Villa is ultimately that there's enough teams worse, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think they'll go down, but I think they'll get pulled into it. I get you, we're yeah. looking at it thinking, where's the next result going to come from? All right, we're going to have to sack this young manager. We, don't, we can't trust him to get us out of it. We can't no. do that. That's a disaster. <laughs> to be fair, when I said it about... Um, Everton last season, I mean, they weren't as good as Villa are now, but we didn't perhaps see that within two years, the majority of people would have them pegged for relegation. So it can change no. very quickly. You're never too good. No. I, I, I 
guess I kind of had to say Chelsea. I think just the fact that I had them dropping outside of the top four did yeah. apply to that. Um, yeah. In line with what I think it was Sean said, I do think anything but complete domination from Liverpool or City will be sold as such. Like, I think as soon as either of you lose more than two games in the season, we're going to be saying, that's bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're going to be pointing, well, what's happened there? Yeah, so I think AJ said we will come second, but like by yeah. distance, so you're going to win it at a counter, didn't they? So that would presumably be seen as as underachievement, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Which I would which agree with. Um, we have to have a challenge, at least. Uh, I think there'll be pressure on West Ham and Leicester to improve. Um, and I think they'll both struggle with it. But I guess for me, it would be Chelsea falling further below expectations to drop outside of the top four than it would for Leicester to drop lower than eighth because we've seen that happen to them already. And I guess we're kind of expecting it at this point. The fact they've just agreed a deal for Kasper Schmeichel to be sold for one million. Really weird. Yeah. One million I euros. I can't sort of uh, make that out at all. Can't get my head around it. Um, Do you think if he says he wants to leave, you don't want that personality hanging around? Probably. I find it weird that he's going for that money. That money is really odd. I find it weird that he wants to leave and that he wants to... Is it is Nice he's going to, is Yeah, it? it is, yeah. So again, that seems really weird. And that's they're throwing money at these players, but I don't imagine. And listen, it's not a bad area of the world. I, I wonder, did he ever... Did he grow up in France? Did he have any time spent no, there? It's, it's, from my understanding, it isn't that. I mean, look. Nice, nice area to live in the world to live in. So yeah. it's not, you know, the worst thing. But you can do that when you're retired, can't you? It's, it's a nice weird, new, nice final contract, move. maybe. maybe yeah. Like, internally, they he may feel the writings on the wall of Leicester. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I mean, as much as I've just said about Villa, I guess from the club's expectations and what we've come to expect from Leicester, how I think their season is going to go is probably a big underachievement. But the fact that we all, I think, collectively think they're going to be bad. I mean, is it an underachievement? Because we yeah, kind of, yeah. I think we're all thinking they're going to have a, a bit of a Josh year, aren't we? So Belgium. And, you know, does anyone think Brendan will make this, the full season? No, I don't think. I don't think he will. And so. as as you suggested, I think he'll jump before he's pushed as well. I, yeah. I think he's smart enough. He had to rebuild his uh, his perception post Liverpool, and I don't think he's prepared to do that again. No, it's harder to do it once you've been by Leicester, isn't yeah. it? As well, so. So just finally then, bold predictions. Now, you've given me one. Um, I've got Sean Dyche ending the season as Everton manager. Yeah, nice, nice. I had that, that is worrying when Alex is saying similar. Two called to be sacked before Frank. <laughs> that is bold. And I had one that's really bold in the in the same Hamid Rodriguez breath, and that was Isco to join Brentford. <laughs> still, is that just still not found a club? Is he doing the Ericsson role? Yeah, and I, I think you sell it like you're, you're basically in London. <laughs> <laughs> it's a London club, so look. Yeah. yeah, that's really bold. Just this was I was just looking and I just didn't want the same thing. So I could that's one where if I saw it pop up in my football manager, I think that's weird, but in the same time I think I've seen weirder. So I'd kind of give it half a look and then 
move on. So I think this would be strange to happen in real life, but I think more stranger things could happen. Hmm. I mean, if that one comes true, I'm going to be, we'll all be asking <laughs> for the lottery numbers, I think. So yeah, I think that just about does us. Um, we've stuck around. Shame about some of the others. Uh, I've got a bit of editing work to do here, so I'll get on that after I've uh, fed these cats. If it's uh, kind of been like a horror film this way, you just hear people progressively just died throughout the part <laughs> of where the last survivors. I mean, at least we can quite confidently pin all of the rustling on Connor. So it did very much vanish the second the second he left. Um, so thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Movie Madness this Friday will be War Dogs versus Lord of War, so make sure you tune in for that. And we'll be back next Monday, the first weekend of the Premier League will have been completed. I'll be nursing a loss to Crystal Palace. Haaland will have scored a hat <laughs> trick, and Gerard will have been sacked already. So thank you again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.